Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V Radio. Good evening, and welcome to this edition of V Radio. Uh, tonight, my guests are Brandy and hopefully Earl E.J. Johnson. We've unfortunately been having some technical issues adding him to the call. So we're going to try again, and um, with any luck, we'll have all that straightened out. Um, tonight, uh, basically, you're listening to V Radio. Um, if this is your first time listening to V Radio, please check out my website. Uh, v-radio.org uh, There you will find archives of more shows like this one um, a lot of different topics covered I interview documentary filmmakers scientists activists um, and uh, politicians a few good ones <laughs> and um, you can also check out my must-see TV list which is a list of free documentaries that you can check out on the internet um, that I think are pretty much required listening to any uh, socially active person. So, um, first, uh, I'm going to go ahead and have Brandy introduce herself while I'm monkeying around trying to get Earl on. So, go ahead and introduce yourself, Brandy. Hey, everyone. My name is Brandy. Some of you might know me from the Venus Project Challenge and probably more recently from my activism with the Zeitgeist Movement. All right. Well, um, yeah, actually, I've had Brandy on the show more than once. Uh, she's one of my favorite panelists. And, uh, you know, we've actually talked a little bit about this kind of this topic in the past. Um, I guess my question is, uh, you know, um, what, uh, you know, like at least initially anyway, what was your first impression when I said I wanted to do a show about this? Um, I actually didn't really know that much about it from this perspective. I think a lot of people are aware that, there's problems of racism not only in, in this country. I mean, I'm sure that culturally they seem to be predominant sometimes in, in America, but I think people are generally aware that racism is not completely gone. It's, it's definitely gotten better, but they know that it's still rampant in certain areas and at certain times and situations. Um, but it wasn't until really you brought up the topic from this perspective that I realized that it's almost like you know, we have to be careful of it being revived intentionally for certain purposes, which is why I think the show is important in particular. Mm-hmm. Well, basically for me, uh, my exposure, I mean, obviously my exposure to uh, black-on-white racism, more specifically just meaning you know, black people are racist against white people, started off in my childhood in Pontiac, Michigan. Um there was a lot of violence that was perpetrated against white kids just for being white kids who were definitely the minority there. It wasn't my first exposure to racism. Um, when I lived in the South, you know, I had black friends and, you know, they dealt with all kinds of crap. They, you know, the people of the South uh, would name like various foliage and such, you know, anything that they could say looked like a piece of a black person and they'd throw the N-word in the front of it. And um, so I, and my mom was, so anti-racist, like she was such a child of the 60s, and you know, as far as like um, that was concerned. So it's definitely an issue um, that I've always kind of had to deal with. You know, as far as like in my earlier parts of my childhood, I was, you know, as I got older, um, you know, I, I've kind of I've been happy of the fact that you know because I've seen the full spectrum and because I had the upbringing that I did. You know, I was able to become completely colorblind. Um, but it wasn't only until, you know, after I had kind of gone through a lot of the things that I had been through that I achieved that. And one of the things, ironically, is that in the Zeitgeist movement, we do have, at least I feel, 
uh, a truly colorblind movement. I mean, we have people from all over the world, you know, who come from different backgrounds. We have entire chapters that are made up of people of color because they're from Hispanic countries or, you know, I guess I, I guess we finally do have a chapter in Africa somewhere. I don't remember which country, but, you know, um, people from all over the world, it was just like, you know, someone's race or gender didn't even really come up. Um, we have had a couple of incidents with just people that, like, literally would bring it up for the sake of bringing it up, you know, um, like if you remember that Bodicea Sky lady that we dealt with forever ago who insisted that there was rampant racism and sexism in the Zuckage movement, you know, solely because of the fact yeah. that we're not, not all, so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Um, let me see if, uh, okay. Let's just see if I can get EJ on here. But anyway, crap. Sorry about that, folks. Um, anyway, so, but overall, um, you know, I had kind of put it behind me, you know, I mean, because that was just one lady who, you know, was kind of going into that, but she had a very aggressive, like, stance about it, like, unless we are all hyper aware of um, all issues, you know, pertaining to these things, like, unless we're hyper constantly worried all the time about you know, whether or not somebody is, you know, um, white or black or whatever, then, then we're apparently we're racist. We're racist if we're not all, you know, constantly thinking about skin color. And that's, right. so that was, you know, but that was like a brief moment in my experience with it there. And then I got to Occupy Detroit and I have made a lot of great friends there. Um, and, but towards like, you know, later on, um, I was dealing with it and, what I experienced was that oh, we finally are going to have EJ, so that's good. Yay. Um, let's see if I can get him. There we go. Uh, but I basically went to one of these teach-ins, and they were doing a, a teach-in about the topic of um, white privilege. It was like what it was about. And I had never been exposed to the concept before. Hold on a second. EJ, are you with us? Hello. Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, you sound great. I'm so glad we could get you on. Excellent. Um, we were just kind of talking about our initial experiences that kind of led us to doing this show, so I'm glad that we finally got you on. Um, and, uh, so go ahead and introduce yourself real quick, EJ. Uh, oh, I'm EJ uh, from Daytona Beach, Florida. Right now I currently go to the University of South Florida. I'm a physics major. Okay. Nice to meet you all. <laughs> EJ's been on the show in the past, so, um, you know, you guys can check that out in the uh, in the archives, but um, in any case, uh, so I was at Occupy Detroit, and I was at one of these teaching, and it was actually during, like, an inner Occupy meeting, and um, I kind of walked into the middle of it, but uh, there were these people there called the Bicycle Superheroes, and um, that were, you know, had also shown up to the meeting, and they were just explaining, you know, hey, you know, we're the Bicycle Superheroes, this is what we do, um, I got a lot of video of those people, actually, you guys can check out on my YouTube channel, but they're just nice people who kind of ride around the country on bicycles and do good deeds, like, you know, they find an old woman who can't move her furniture, then they move it for her, and, you know, things like that, and anyway, so they walk in the middle of this meeting, and they say who they are, and, and then I get to listen to these white privileged people tear them apart because they used superheroes as an image for themselves, and I was like what you know and basically they were like well you know you realize that 
superheroes are, you know, all like part of a white supremacist, you know, uh, standpoint, and you know that it's it's all part of some big conspiracy. And I was like, and I just kind of cocked my eyebrows a little bit, and then, you know, they made the further mistake of discussing my favorite comic book, which was X Men, and you know, it was a white guy, ironically, who was part of the uh, this particular conversation, who was like. Well, yeah, you know, in you know, in X Men they had Storm, you know, she was a black woman, and and then the Avengers had Black Panther. Well, they married, you know, Black Panther off the Storm and then sent her back to Africa, you know, and to them they were trying to say that that was like them, like you know, somehow banishing black characters from comic books, and it was like. I didn't say anything because I realized I was dealing with people at that point who were so clueless that I, I, I had a feeling because it was very it was very hostile. Like if you spoke against anything they were saying, they're, they're very quick to throw the race card right at you. And but it occurred to me as I was thinking about it, I'm like, that is such crap. Storm wasn't just in the X Men; she was the leader of the X Men from the uh, I want to say the um, the early '80s. Um, actually, no, I'm sorry, back into the 70s even, um, all the way up until very recently, she was the leader. She wasn't just a member, you know. Um, and Black Panther, you know, the, the, the country, the fictional country that he comes from, Wakanda, is extremely powerful, um, is very, you know, like, advanced in science. I mean, like, there, the whole character is an amazing empowerment of black people. And, you know, Storm when I was growing up was, a, was you know, one of the role models I had because the X-Men were very important to me when I was a kid. And so I was just sitting here with my mouth open at that point going, no, that's not right at all. I was just like, you're totally off base, you know. And so eventually I, I kept trying to bite my tongue as they're giving their, their kind of um, arguments. And I eventually said, well, what about the concept of racism from black people against white people. And everybody looked at me like my head had just turned into an elephant. You know, <laughs> I was like, they're like, well, what do you mean? You know, like I was talking about some foreign concept. And then I described to them that what it was like growing up in Pontiac about how you'd be targeted just for being a white kid. And, you know, how uh, the, the I talked about the Farrakhan Muslims, the, the ones that are related to Malcolm X's group, you know, and or total black supremacists, and they came to my school, and my school allowed them to do a presentation in one of the teacher's classrooms, you know, and we got to sit there and listen to them tell all the Caucasian people in the room that they were the, the marked race of Cain, and all of the mulatto kids in the room were abominations, and, you know, I was just, I was like, and they basically went on to give me this, well, black people can't be racist speech, and I was like, can you explain that to me? And they're like, well, you see, black people can't be racist because they're not in the economic uh, condition or situation to be able to affect the destiny of other people. And I'm like, wait, I thought racism was judging people based on the color of their skin. Oh, no, no, that's not it. You see, it's an economic reality. It's, you know, you have to have the economic power to be able to affect other people's destiny to be a racist. And the word economic isn't anywhere in the definition. I, I don't know where people are getting that from. I know. Well, that's, yeah, but it's in their weird definition or that you have to have power. And, like, I even said well, to them, I'm like, well, those kids had power when they were beating me up. Was that racist? And they're like, no, black people can't be racist. Go ahead, Brandy. Well, it, well, I just, 
I'm curious as to whether or not they're that's, actually acknowledging, that's acknowledging that that's the case. Are they acknowledging? Yes. The word economic and economic situations, economic disparity, economic power is not anywhere in the definition of the word racism, but we're choosing to redefine the word for our convenience or for what we feel like accurately, accurately reflects you know, society today. Are they admitting to that or are they under the impression that the historical definition of the word racism actually has anything to do with economic class? Because there's, kind, there's an important distinction there, I think, that needs to be made. If it's if it's the latter, if they actually don't understand the definition of the word, then it's very simple. This isn't a debate. This isn't a debate. It's a vocabulary lesson. You pull out a dictionary and explain to somebody that the only thing that that racism requires is that you judge people by, and you know, it's it's actually not even skin color. It's it's distinctly race because there's a right. difference between judging somebody by like the shade or the tone of their skin and their actual scientific race. Um, so, you know, there's. There's an important distinction, like I said, to be made there. Uh, you know, explain to somebody what the definition of racism is. It's, it's discrimination based on the race of a person. It can be whether you're in economic power or not. Uh, you are capable of being racist as long as you're capable of discriminating against somebody for the, you know, for their actual race. Um, as far as history and where black people are today in society and how previous issues of racism have affected them, that's introducing a separate issue of racial oppression. Those are two different things. There's something called racism, which anybody is capable of, judging somebody by their race, period. And then there's racial oppression, which, of course, you could argue is easier for certain races than others, depending on where history has put them today. I understand that. But the important thing is, I think, we need to get past this whole, you know, black people or anybody can't be racist because that's just factually wrong based on the definition of a word. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And the definition that I read, and then after that, I'm what gonna it say, actually? Yeah, go ahead, EJ. What what it is? Um, oh, what it is is really just people trying to make a scapegoat. They're, they're, they they yeah. they have a scape. Oh, I can't be racist because I'm black. You know. And but you know, on the same token, you have a bunch of black people that hate their own kind, so to speak. You know, and True. it's not just like you said; it, it has nothing to do with rich or poor, power or you know, popper or whatever the case may be. It's all about saying, "Oh, you're a different skin color," or "You're a specific skin color," and uh, I just hate you because of it. Right. Right. That's exactly right. And if you actually look up the definition, another important distinction to make is that racism is a belief. It's a belief system. It's a belief that a certain race, or I'm sorry, it's a belief that race, period, is the primary determinant of factors amongst humanity or of human traits of a particular race. That's It's a belief system. So if you believe white people are like this or black people are like that or that particular traits are due to that race, whether it be inferiority or superiority, then you are capable of being racist. It doesn't matter what economic position you're in necessarily. That That is possible. I understand that that's another facet of racism, sure. but that's exactly what it is, is it's not racism itself. It's a separate issue. It's a subset of racism. And that's, okay, so to, to kind of make the point that I was also getting into with them, I was like, you know, at one point, these kids had power over me. Were they able to be racist? And, oh, no, of course not. I'm like, okay, 
and, and some of these people are still my friends. I mean, I, I respect that they have difference in beliefs, but, you know, I just, like, one of them, I told them that. I was like, you know, do you advocate that? Well, no, of course I don't advocate, you know, them beating you up or whatever. I'm like, all right, well, then, you know, but it's not racism to you. And he's like, no, not at all. I'm like, how? You know, I'm like, they, their whole motivator, these kids didn't even know It was me. a hate crime. Right. It was because I was white. That was their motive. They don't know me. They didn't want to rob me. They weren't trying to take my stuff. I was a white kid in their neighborhood, you know, and, and by no means is it only a black issue. Like, the Hispanic kids weren't too fond of the white kids in Pontiac either, you know, um, and there were Asians, although it's, I guess that's more of an issue now than it used to be, but, like, you know, there were Asian gangs as well, and, you know, if you even talk to an Asian girl, get ready, because they're coming, you know, <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't like it at all, you know, um, and I, I think that uh, basically, though, I mean, like, I would also I would urge the people that are listening to this broadcast to take a moment to watch the two videos that I linked in the description because you know I had Brandy and EJ watch them before we did this show um, because uh, you know like there were two videos in particular that kind of put the issue together and the second issue we'll be talking about a little further as the conversation goes on too and that and that is in the theory of white privilege but first I wanted to talk about this issue of racism and the idea that they're going to redefine it you know the, the definitions that I read was. You know, that um, basically, you know, the belief in one race is superiority over another. You know, and that's the thing that was also so astonishing to me about watching that video is that Hannity and Combs, if you can't win an argument with Hannity and Combs from Fox News, <laughs> you know, you're, you've got something wrong. You know, because, like, literally, these two Fox moguls spanked these black races. Like, you know, this is the definition of racism. You know, um, they both, like, you know, shut them down. I was like, you know, I'm I'm amazed, but for the first time in my life, I have to actually agree with two Fox talking heads on a topic because, you know, they're they're arguing with them about it, and they're they keep saying you can't accuse us of being racist, you know. And that video gives all these different examples of people talking like that. And then, you know, um, the other thing about it is like, you know, it sometimes it's just a matter of certain prejudices towards white people, and then sometimes it's a matter of just flat out you know, black supremacy beliefs, like the, the what was it, melanin right. or whatever the heck the name of that chemical was. Right, right. That yeah, you guys right. apparently That's... have more of because you're black and, you know, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's actually something I, I wanted to point out, too, because well, I think that, that's what, where... What, what, that, 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 yeah, go ahead, EJ. Oh, sorry. EJ? No, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I like have, I have lag, so when I... Yeah, I'm, I'm lagging. Okay. So whenever I try to chime in, it's already late. I'm, I apologize for that. That's okay. I was wondering what was up. Go ahead. What were you gonna say? But um, basically, uh, these these ideas about the the melanin and the the cane and such like that, uh, the 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 mark, they're basically from like uh, I guess you could call them Zionists. Like um, they're basically Afrocentric Christian-based religions where they um they speak about the original race being a black race. And then, uh, for instance, I'm going to tell you about uh, the whole Cain thing. Um, when Adam and Eve uh, made Cain and Abel, or whatever the case may be, everyone knows that Cain killed Abel. And then once Cain killed Abel, God said, I'm going to mark you, and, you know, basically I'm going to mark all of your children. So what they say happened is that Cain, turned, uh, Cain was turned from a black person to a white person. And... That like you know you can you can go into 
like the Bible says, there's two types of leprosy, and then there's the, there's the diseased one where you're falling apart. There's one where you just turn white, and basically that's the whole curse about you know uh, white people being descendants of Cain and such like that. But a lot of these guys that are, are speaking on this, whether they're Muslims or um, Christians, they're um, they're uh, um, based in the uh, original race being black. I mean. We, we we all like uh, as far as evolution uh, evolution goes, um, everything kind of did come out of Africa, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everything was black. But you know that's where they stand with that. That's where that comes from. Well, right. Uh, go ahead right. and make your point, Randy. Okay, I was I was gonna uh, refer. It's actually I'm glad that he brought that up because it's it again sort of ties back into that twisting of the definition or of history or of anything really the the perception of anything that justifies your worldview you know it's confirmation bias basically um so how you pointed out that the definition of racism included you know it entailed that uh a, a superiority of a particular race so it's not just discrimination necessarily by race but the belief that a certain race is superior so i mean i guess you could argue that in some cases if a black person doesn't believe that they're superior necessarily but they're viewing a white person who maybe views that white people are superior, then they could argue, oh, I can't be racist because I don't believe, even though I discriminate against white people or I'm a bigot, so to speak, I can't be racist because I don't believe that our race is superior. But number one, I don't know how that explains black supremacy, which is obviously black people believing that they're superior, which is the definition of racism. And second, and more importantly, um, you know, if you look into the further definition of racism, basically just describes, I'm getting this from the Merriam-Webster encyclopedia. It says, any action, practice, or belief that reflects the racial worldview, the ideology that humans are divided into separate and exclusive biological entities called races, that there is a causal link between inherited physical traits and traits of personality, intellect, morality, and other cultural behaviors, or other cultural behavioral features and that some races are innately superior to others. So again, there's nothing relating to economics or social stratification or anything in there in particular. The result of racism might be social stratification or racial oppression or economic hardships. That has nothing to do with the underlying definition of racism itself. And the reason that I feel like that's so important is because I feel like it's dangerous to try and justify this line of thinking because I've noticed since you brought this topic uh, topic to my attention that it almost has a way of turning otherwise completely open-minded and non-racist individuals into racist apologists. You right. know, like, well, I'm I'm racist kind of like secretly on the inside, but based on all of these twisted definitions I'm going to give the word I'm not racist. It's, let me just give you an example. This is something I've been thinking about, uh, which sort of completely destroys the whole economic uh, superiority definition that they're giving it. If if you are a black person, let's say you're you know in your 30s or something, and you have a white boss at your job who's more well-off than you are, and let's just say that he is racist. Let's say that he discriminates against you and, you know, gives you a harder time than he should um, because of your skin color, because of your race. Mm -hmm. Naturally, 
you're going to feel some resentment towards that. That's understandable. I understand that it would be totally valid for you to say, oh, I wish I didn't have a white boss. If I had a black boss, this wouldn't be happening. That's probably an accurate statement that if you had a black boss, he wouldn't be racist against you. That's understandable. So I wouldn't necessarily call you racist for saying that in and of itself and that form of simplicity. But let's say your white boss isn't racist. Let's say he's a totally normal white boss, but you just don't like the way he acts. You don't like that he, you know, his meetings are too long or whatever the case may be. And you still say to yourself, you know, I hate this white guy. I hate this white boss. I just can't stand white people. I wish I had a different boss. He's in a better economic position than you. He makes more money than you. He can fire you on the spot. However, everything that just came out of your mouth is racist, period. It has nothing to do with how much money either one of you make. Does that, do you see what I'm saying? Oh, no, absolutely. And it, you would think that that would be just common sense. The problem is... You would. <laughs> like, you know, when, okay, and I've, and I've seen, you know, how that kind of stuff gets passed around. You know, people literally just kind of get it in their head that, um, you know, that when they're frustrated, you're looking for something. And that's actually one of the things that bothers me the most about this is that you know, I get worried when, you know, when activists are getting taught this crap because now they're going to start, you know, it's like, I, you know, it's like the effect it had on you when I showed you this stuff. It's like, and I have to suffer through it, you know, because, you know, when you and I interact, you know, if we ever talk about the fact that you're black, it's because, you know, of whatever unique features that it gives you. It's like, you know, but it's never been anything other than that. I and mean, then occasionally we might have discussed, like, you know, whatever different, you know, world experiences you might have had. But overall, it's it's never been about, you know, um, you know, it, it's never been about uh, anything other than that. I mean, it's it, to me, like the fact that you're black is a skin color, you look a little different. And then that's the end of it. Like, I don't, it's, you know, in fact, like I, if anything, when I look at people of different races, I, I look at it, the, the, the different beautiful you know, diversity of those people, Right. you know, and to me, it's like, it's something to celebrate or, you know, I mean, I'm not saying this just to give a speech. This is how I've always thought about it. I mean, I guess it helps that like, I mean, my mom, I believe it. you know, uh, my mom babysat for all the kids in the neighborhood. So I was raised next, you know, shoulder to shoulder with people of all races, you know, um, she never babysat any Asian kids, but, you know, I had Asian friends growing up and it, it just didn't, you know, the, their race only ever came up if, like, you know, in some cases it might even be about things that they had a preponderance for being good at. Like, you know, uh, my friend Jason Sanders, he was, like, my mentor, you know, um, uh, in, in being streetwise because I was just a little country kid when I moved into the ghetto, and, like, he recognized I was going to have a really hard time if somebody didn't teach me about the streets. He happened to be black. You know, um, his mother happened to be an amazing cook and can just do awesome things with certain um, meats and such that are culturally known to be things that black, the black culture, quote unquote, black culture is good at. You know, she made amazing ribs. You know, she made good fish, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and so I was like, this is so You're great. You're making me I, hungry. Well, right. But you know what I'm talking about, you know. <laughs> And to me, like, you know, so yeah. if I ever thought about any differences, it was about how beautiful those differences were. And when, and I will talk about my negative experience a little bit. I want to, I want to, EJ, did you have any further comments? And we'll give you a second since you're lagging. No. 
No, no, I'm good. Okay, Thank cool. you. Thank you. No problem. Um, you know, but no, no, I, I, I'm just listening. Okay, I'm, cool. I'm just into. Oh, go. I'll just let him do his thing. All right. Um, so, so basically, to me, like, I just when I'm sitting around, because that's I think another of the reasons why it, it hurts so much was like when I was at Occupy, it was a beautiful thing. Because I thought it was colorblind. I was surrounded by activists mm-hmm. of all kinds of different colors. And, it, you know, I, to me, that was it was awesome because there were all these people that I thought would have never interacted if it wasn't for Occupy. You know, like they would have never met and all that. And for the most part, it really was. Like most of the activists I dealt with, this was not a widespread problem, I should point out. There's only a certain group of people in Occupy Detroit who felt this way. Um, but most of the activists that I talked to, you know, what color they were didn't even come up in conversation. And that was actually beautiful to me. And then I'm at a meeting once, and uh, they basically say something about, you know, certain groups of people talking more than other groups of people. And then they spit out, yes, white males tend to do this. And that, like, it felt like somebody walked up behind me and smacked me in the back of the head. Like, I was so shocked to hear, you know, okay, so you just made a sexist and a racist comment, you know, like, and it was somebody I respected who said it, so I was like, what the hell, you know, and then I just kind of blew it off, and it wasn't a big part of the conversation, and then at a different meeting, um, this was in one of the, another one of the inter-occupy gatherings in Lansing, um, Lansing was kind of hosting it, and, you know, one of the girls from the Lansing group stepped up, and she was passing out the microphone, and it was, you know, we don't have leaders in the Occupy movement, but she was pretty damn clear that, you know, she was the one who was running the meeting, and she was doing so well, there was no problem with it, and then, you know, we passed the mic around to a few different people, um, and then we passed it to this somewhat older woman, and she's like, you know, you know, fellas, I think it's time for me to point out that for some reason we keep hearing from all the white men in the room, you know, and you guys need to let other people talk, too. And fortunately enough for me, there were enough people who also were like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, we didn't say anything to her, but, like, until she said that, the, the, the gender or color of any of the people speaking in the room was not even part of our consciousness. Like, until she said that, you know, we were colorblind. You know, and it, it, you end up in situations sometimes where, where you might, you know, like, get accused of one thing or another, when the reality is, you know, there might just happen to be more people of one color and one gender sitting in the room at the time. So statistically, if you're passing the mic around equally to everyone, well, guess who's going to talk more? You know, the people who are more represented, just because that happens to be who's sitting in the room, not because there's some super secret, you know, um, yeah. mentality or superiority there. Right. You know, and that was, to me, I was like, I, because I was, when I was at Occupy, I was so open, I was so, you know, comfortable that I was like among people that were like me, and I, and then that happened, and I just, the funny thing is, is that it's just like when I was arguing with Odysseus, I was like, um, I was like, you know, until you said all of that, it, it's not like that we weren't concerned about people being treated, mistreated for their race, it's that you've introduced that thought pattern to the conversation and now all of a sudden that's what we're worried about. You know, it, it's the, and I, it's hard to communicate that to people, but I literally am such a colorblind individual that when somebody accuses me of that, 
you know, I mean, it's, we had a lot of stuff like that. Like, um, there were different people, like, who said, you know, all the white kids that were at Occupy were probably just, like, you know, suburban kids that were, uh, you know, rebelling against their rich parents. And I'm like, what? You know, like, you know, th- do you realize how incredibly bigoted that sounds? I'm like, you think that all the mm-hmm. kids out here are rich college kids? Because I know you're wrong, because I've interviewed all of them. You know, there were a few but I certainly didn't look down on them for participating, you know, that was just crap, you know, and that's essentially, you know, as far as the, you know, the, one of the things also, another Occupy Detroiter brought this to my attention when I started talking about this. Um, he said that when the very first gathering of Occupy Detroit happened, um, that he was out there and he, this was a white activist and he's like, he was having so much fun. Everything was so beautiful and great. And then, they were getting ready to have some speakers. And then this woman walked by and, like, was talking to someone else. And she's like, we did it. We made sure no white men will be talking tonight. You know, and when he told me that, it was like, that really happened? And he's like, yeah, it happened, all right. Like, they were bragging about how no white men were going to be given the microphone at the first big Occupy Detroit gathering. And I just, it makes me wonder if they've ever, like, listened to themselves but that's when I've kind of recognized that, I mean, for me, like, when I was having the conversation with the lady, you know, when I was given my first white privilege, you know, lecture, you know, I said to her, well, okay, well, racism where I come from and sexism where I come from is that the minute you utter the color of someone's skin and then talk about their behavior accordingly, you have just become racist. The minute you do that, you know, or if you're talking about their gender and then therefore saying that's why the following things are happening, you're sexist. That's exactly right. Period. You know, and that's why I was like, I could not believe that, they, you know, and then like it gets further when they develop all these weird things we already talked about about how they're going to change the definition and all this crap. Mm -hmm. Just something that doesn't even make any sense. And then even when you put them in situations where you're like, okay, well, um, if my boss happens to, like, the owner of the restaurant that I'm working at happens to be black and he fires me because I'm white, is he racist? They're never going to say, they don't say yes. They say no. <laughs> right. Well, see, that's that's an, that's actually why I'd like to have somebody of that mindset, uh, hopefully somebody who's even remotely capable of having a rational discussion on the show because I, I just, I, I have these refutations, but then I also have questions because, like, for example... Uh, you know, I've I've had people say to me since I've been discussing this on my Facebook and posting the thread announcing the show. Uh, you know, uh, let me let me just look at one definition here, saying that uh, you know, groups of people, a certain group of people, uh, don't have the economic ability to discriminate in their favor. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's why black people aren't capable of being racist because they're not capable of discriminating in their favor. But the issue is. Why are why are we defining things by groups? You know, right. since when since when did race since when did a person being racist have to do with whether or not everybody else of his same race is also racist? <laughs> you know what I mean? For it's, sure. It, this whole idea that well, wait a second, black people as a whole are not as economically well off as white people, so they're not capable of being racist. It's like wait a second, wait a second. What about a black person who is in a better economic position than a white person? So now is he magically capable of being racist? Because well, like the example you just gave, my boss is 
black and he fires me because I'm white, is he racist? And it's a, the, the obvious answer is yes, if he fires you because you're white. If he happens to just fire you and you happen to be white, then he's not racist. But if that's the reason that he's discriminated against, against you or the reason that he's firing you, then yes, that is indeed racist, regardless of the economic position of the rest of his black people. He obviously is in a position to affect you. Um, well, right, but, I was bringing it up because to say that you know he would have had financial power over me at that point. Right, right. Yeah, and I, and I was just, you know, using your example to, sure. to make that additional point because I think it's, a, it's very relevant and it's a good point. And like you said, they might argue, no, that's not really racist. And I'd love to know why. I'd love to hear an elaboration on that as to how that's not racist. If their so-called definition of racist is, you know, you have to be in a position of economic power. Well, isn't that what that is? Right. Or does it have to be a certain number of people? Does it have to be like, you know, thousands of people, or <laughs> where is this? I need a copy of this dictionary because I, right. I don't get it. Especially, you know, it's and it's interesting that the way they just kind of keep repeating it is it reminds me of the way propaganda works. Like, you know, uh, and the guy who does the white privilege video, and we'll get into that shortly, um, does an excellent job of comparing that entire thought process to another group of individuals who wanted to single out another group of, you know, a certain race who happened to be doing better economically at the time, oh, that would be the Nazis, you know. Um, and what the Nazis would do is they would have certain buzzwords and concepts that they would just repeat a lot until they were suddenly accepted. And that's how you get, you know, people who were farm boys in Germany suddenly willing to shove people in ovens because they've heard the words, you know, Jews are not people often enough. Well, I guess it must be true. You know, it's the power of repetition. It's like they think that if they just keep repeating that over and over and over again, that eventually they can get a consensus that will somehow change the definition of the word racism. Um, you know, and as he pointed out in his video, it was just, it's basically just so that they can escape ever being called racist, that they can ever you know, escape any responsibility for the idea. And I guess to me, you know, and I said this in my arguments recently in Occupy Detroit's Facebook group, I said, okay, if you have a concern about people being mistreated for their race, I agree with you. I don't like that either. But the answer is not more obsession with people's skin pigment. It's Absolutely. about demanding that everybody be equal and leaving it at that. And the problem Thank is you. the problem is is that they don't especially you see the same thing from feminists. It's like they say they want to be equal, but then when you start to ask them what they think the world should be like it doesn't sound to very... tip the balance a little. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this isn't sounding very equal. Like, you said that... You know, I remember arguing with one feminist... All the self-serving bias. Go ahead. What were you going to say, EJ? I would just say that it's all self-serving bias. Oh, for sure. Um, so, you know, I remember saying to a feminist, I'm like, okay, so you're telling me that, you know, you don't like the patriarchy, you know, um... And I brought up, you know, you, you feel that women should be treated equally, right? And they go, well, yeah, of course. I'm like, okay, so how do you feel about the way that men are frequently treated in custody battles in court? You know, because to me that's definitely a, a gender, an issue that's not equal. I mean, it's not as bad as it used to be. Um, but, um, you, know, what, you know, what she ends up saying, well, that's justified by, you know, all of the years that we've been oppressed you know, and all of that other jazz. I'm like, okay, but that's not equality. Well, but yeah, but you see, the patriarchy did this, this, and that. I'm like, 
I got the same crap from the you know from the guy who said it wasn't racist when black kids beat up white kids. You know, it was like, well, we've had these terrible things done to us all these years, and I'm like, that's okay, but two wrongs don't make a right, man. You know, I, <laughs> that's not the way to go about it. You know, and he didn't really have a cognizant like or coherent argument after that, but um, to me, like, it seems to me that. I'm kind of like it's you know it really feels to me like basically these people are trying to resolve their anger in some cases like EJ said it's a scapegoat situation they they want to blame somebody they want to find someone to blame and in some cases it's because they have been in some way you know discriminated against and that's that's fine I agree discrimination is wrong but the answer is not to then in turn demonize someone else for their race you know, for being ignorant enough to go after you for yours. Exactly. And and the thing is, is I'm glad you bring that up because I've actually surprisingly been met with that in mm-hmm. the thread that I posted announcing the show. I, I was very surprised to see some people on the thread missing the point and trying to t- take the spotlight and put it back on white racism. And I'm like, wait a minute, don't get me wrong. And this is an important thing that I, I definitely want to bring up on the show because I don't want anyone listening to think, wow, they're really hammering home on these you know, this black racism, and clearly they don't understand how rampant white racism is in the world and this and that. Like, no, we, we get that for sure, and I'm not trying to belittle it, and we're not trying to make it sound like it's the same or that it's not as big of an issue or anything like that. The difference, the problem is here is that we're, it's a slippery slope. We're getting into this thing of where we're redefining the word racism, and we have to be very careful with that because there's all these completely fallacious justifications for racist behavior, which is ridiculous. So while I think a lot of people do acknowledge that there's white racism and there's hate crimes against blacks and things like that, the purpose, at least in this particular subject, is that we're refuting the notion that racism has this new definition that has something to do with economic, uh, the ability to racially oppress somebody or economically oppress them. Um, So that's the first thing I want to point out, is, is to anybody listening, I don't want it to sound like we're trying to belittle racism against blacks. We definitely understand how serious that issue is as well. And none of that is excusable. No form of racism against any race is ever excusable. And black people have been through a lot in this country. You know, uh, somebody posted an interesting article that I'm looking at on my Facebook now that says uh, African-American woman with a college degree pretends to be white and job offers skyrocket, which is, you know, I don't know if I want to say it's surprising necessarily, but it's obviously disappointing and shocking in some cases because I think we don't face that every day. Um, but so that's the first thing is, is we acknowledge that this is going on, that black people are being discriminated against in large part or maybe even in larger part than vice versa. Sure. Uh, however, as you pointed out earlier, the solution to that is not to then demonize the race or races of people that are doing it. Why? Because them doing that to you is not due to their race. By you attributing them doing that to their race, you are in turn also being racist. Instead, you should attribute them doing that to just plain ignorance. There are smart white people and then there are stupid white people. So (laughs) if that's going on, then that's because... So don't be racist. Be ignorantist. (laughs) <laughs> be against ignorant people. Can I start? Can I make a new word called ignorantist, where we're against sure. ignorant people and not against a certain race? But the reason that's so important is because 
Please. You know, Please. I understand the emotional issue there. I understand. But black people have been through so much, and it's so hard, and that's why they're angry, and that's why they feel this way. It's like that's all the more reason why you should try extra hard not to discriminate against people for their race because you're being exactly what your ancestors despised. They tried so hard to get us to forget about skin color and just move on and make everybody equal. I'm pretty sure if you listen to Martin Luther King, he never said, by the way, when we finally make it, make sure you turn around and hate white people just as much as they hated you. He didn't say that. He was like, no, we all need to love each other no matter our skin color. Everybody in the world should be equal. Right. You know, he, he, he preached global universal love for everybody so that's what a lot of these african-american people need to understand when they're trying to justify their discrimination and their hatred for white people is that that's not what our ancestors and our leaders would have wanted so okay i'm gonna get i'm gonna let um well, yeah, oh you're gonna go i'm gonna make a real quick then, point um okay cool about malcolm x was malcolm x started out as a black supremacist black supremacist civil rights guy and then he went to Mecca and discovered that he had been lied to about his own religion. That in fact, Islam is very clear that all people, uh, all base, people of all races are equal under Allah. That that is a, a basic understanding of Islam. He came back to the United States and started, you know, mentioning that I just got back from Mecca where I spent time with white Muslims. And so the reaction from the the black Islam nation was to shoot him. They killed him because mm -hmm. he was telling the truth. You know, he became, you know, like he literally called up Martin Luther King and said, I want to help you. I want to help the civil rights movement. And he changed his attitude. And so they, they shot him for, for that. You know, um, go ahead, EJ. Oh, well, <clears throat> People are going to probably hate me for this, but, you know, I'm sorry. Um, when people try to lean on a clutch, uh, excuse me, a crutch of saying that um, that, uh, that that we, are, uh, we experience racism, yes, we do. I would say, okay, everybody experiences racism at some point in time. And I would go as far as to agree that, you know, maybe the people who run the major corporations, the majority of them are probably white people. However... Like, does that stop that other black kid from going to get his engineering degree or this other black kid from going to get a physics degree? Some of these people, um, you ask them, what are you doing with yourself so that you don't get turned down for a job, for instance? Or um, what are you doing to build your resume? X, X Y, and Z is like, oh, uh, nothing. I'm just doing nothing. They're, they're like not doing anything. And it's, it's just like a bank. If you can't invest anything into it, how do you expect something out of it? Um, this is this is not a perfect system. Um, we have we have a bunch of flaws, but you have to the, the person themselves they have to make the change first. It's not about um, um, economic standing. If you want to raise your economic standing, you can go to school, get a better job or something. You know, be that person in power, and then see if you would ch see it's, uh, talking to these people. See if you would change your way of thinking, but. I just don't understand um, why why people still talk about we're oppressed, we can't do anything, we can't do this, we can't do that. I'm going to school. Why can't you? I mean, what are you what are you doing with your life? And then um, I forgot my second point. But 
it's cool. Oh, well, you made very good points, and I think that, you know, they definitely feel that, you know, that they have less options available to them. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let Brandy comment, and then I'm going to make, you know, kind of move the conversation forward a little bit on the, sure. the rest of the topic. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, yeah, and right. I, and I just I I think we we need to be careful there because while, while I definitely agree with a lot of things you said, and I I thought about that myself, um, a lot of the social pathology that's happening right now today, uh, especially with young Black Americans, like what you're referring to, maybe college aged or have college potential, might not feel like they're capable of doing that because of the experiences they've had or you know how they grew up. So I don't even, I don't think, and I don't even think you're denying that necessarily. That's not the point you're making. I, we're not denying that people are experiencing difficulties or they might have come across some racial discrimination that made opportunities harder for them to attain or that there's not this completely, uh, you know, overwhelming social pathology amongst black people from having had racism a long time ago. I think... Well, I shouldn't say I think everyone's aware of that because I think a lot of people actually aren't aware that uh, just economically and socially today, black people are still feeling the ripples of race of you know slavery a long time ago. That that can't be argued. That's just a fact. Um, the problem, though, and what I feel like age, EJ is touching on, is that it's no longer an excuse when it's not actually legitimately connected to your circumstances in today's society. So while I do understand that overall, in the bigger picture, you can look at our history and say, ooh, this is responsible for a lot of the habitual kind of cultural lags and things that you're seeing going on in the black community and the lack of education and the way we view ourselves and a lot of reverse racism. Obviously, our history and things like that has is a lot to blame for, for those scenarios. But we have to stop letting that hold us back in every single situation like EJ said if you have the ability to get an education then do that you know don't just assume that you can't strive for things because you are black because then you're just victimizing yourself and you're legitimizing what went on a long time ago and what still in some parts of the world and in the country go on today so it's just a matter of trying to take a hold of, of the situation and making the best out of it as you possibly can. The reason I, I, and I'll end here in a second, the reason I want to cover that is because I feel like there's a lot of people listening who might say, well, wait a second, that's BS. Don't try to tell me that it's just as easy for me to go to college as it is for you. I don't have the same opportunities as you. I was born in like a poor neighborhood or a poor area and you know my family's on welfare or whatever. I don't have all the opportunities that you have. I don't have the same education. I might be selling drugs because I'm trying to support my family. I don't know the situation. but So I agree that not everybody has the same opportunities. But the point is, the less we focus on race as the cause of that, the more we can put it behind us and start to try to address the root causes of economic disparity and all of these social issues amongst people. That's absolutely right. And that actually kind of uh, moves Definitely. me into uh, a point that – I actually brought up when I was arguing this in the Occupy Detroit Facebook group was you know, this guy kept bringing it up, you know, and um, I played. I basically put a link up to that uh, famous school principal who uh, had um, he was played by um, Morgan Freeman, and of course everything Morgan Freeman does is awesome because of course he's Morgan Freeman, but. Um, in any case, you know, this principal in particular took a lot of oh, very... Oh, Lean On Me? Yes, Lean On Me is the name of the movie. Um, and 
there's a point where he gets up and he does the speech to the to the students where he's telling them, you know, because that you know he basically just starts listing it off. He's like, to the rest of the world, you are nothing but a bunch of and he, he you know, he says, oh God, I'm just gonna spit it out, niggers and spicks, you know, and gooks and you know, he's like, you know, they don't think you're worth anything and don't think I forgot about all my white trash kids over here. You know, and to me, that was one of the most amazing points of the movie because that is the first time I had ever heard anybody acknowledge that quote-unquote white trash kids are not doing any better than anyone else in the ghetto. Okay, it's not a racial issue. It's an economic issue. And it currently, just by happenstance, that's just the way it is working out right now. In some places, it's not like that. Like there was actually a really interesting movie called White Man's Burden. You guys ever see that? Old it sounds guy. familiar, but I don't think I've seen it. It's an old John Travolta film. The guy from Benson was in it, and basically, it's about a, a rich black family who owns this white family's house, you know, and they end up like throwing them out and stuff. And it was really, it was like a total re- reverse racist situation. It was interesting, but um, in any case, you know, it was. I was trying to point out to them, you know, because when they say it's an economic condition or whatever, yeah, I agree with that, but it's not racially linked. You know, all the white kids that lived in Pontiac were just as bad off as everyone else. You know, and I don't have any of those opportunities. Okay, you know why? Because I grew up in the ghetto. It has nothing to do with the color of my skin. Um, And that's why when people are saying stuff about white privilege, you know, which is the next part we'll be talking about, um, I, I can't it, it just to me the notion that I am somehow privileged for my for my race is ridiculous. Especially if they find out you live in a trailer park. If they find out that um, you know uh, basically that you meet any of the quote unquote standards for somebody being white trash, you will be discriminated against. You know, um, I mean, hell, the the zeitgeist, zeitgeist movement trolls bring up that I live in a trailer all the time. You know that I'm white trash. They've used that term. So, um, I want to get EJ's comments because I know he has to leave soon. So, um, let me go ahead and start, you know, the the topic about white privilege. Um, What they explained to me was that essentially, um, and it's in the second video that's linked in this show, was that essentially people who are white-skinned you know, do well financially and all that jazz just because they have white skin. There's a lot more to white privilege than that, but that it's because society, you know, perceives white people as being superior, you know, that somehow they're given, you know, all of these extra, like, allowances. And I probably, you know, and I and I see some of what they're talking about, but the truth of the matter is um, in, it's not as big a deal as they're making it. Um, and more to the point, um, there are a lot of other people who are not benefiting from that. And I, I just, I don't know. To me, I thought racism, you know, although it still exists, people who are racist are openly jaded, you know, are openly attacked for it. You know, the Ku Klux Klan is a, is a joke. But people bring them up because it's a joke. You know, it's just like Westboro Baptist Church. That's bigotry towards gay people. They're a joke. Nobody takes these people seriously anymore. If any politician has any links to racism, uh-oh, you know, Get ready to that being the end of your life, you know. Right. You know, and it was something else the white privilege guy pointed out was that, you know, it seems that nothing, including a black 
male being elected to the White House will ever convince these people that their racism is dying, if not dead. You know, it's like it, it's, it's not dead totally. It's still there. But it, it, serious victories have been made. Serious. Yeah. Victories. You know, so. That's really why we need to speak up about these issues of people trying to give it a different flavor. It's like, really? Stop. <laughs> For sure. You know, so the idea that it basically, and the, and the way that this ends up being communicated when they're educating people about it is that, you know, it, it, by the time you, you watch them when they're done with their speeches about this, all the white people in the room suddenly feel ashamed of their skin color. So suddenly they're ironically feeling, you know, put down because of their skin color, you know, and it becomes a very useful tool when you're in debate. Because if a white person starts to make a solid argument, then you could just say, well, you're using your white privilege right now on me in this argument, which is... is it doesn't really make sense. The argument's either valid or it's not. Well, right. Exactly. Kind of like an ad hominem, basically, is all it is. It is, in fact, exactly that. And I'm not saying that there are not certain perceptions about black people out there that, you know, might cause white people to have certain advantages. I guess what right. my problem is, is that the answer to that is not to take the stance that's being taken, which to me is more divisive. You know, the closest to being racist I've ever been was not because I was hanging out with a bunch of white people. It was because I was getting the crap beat out of me for my skin color by black people. You know, that was the closest to racist I'd ever been. If it were not for the fact that I had so many good friends real friends, you know, mentors. One of them risked his life at one point, literally pulled a knife to get these kids off of me, okay, you know, who were people of color. And if it weren't for the fact that I had such a great mother, you know, and exposure to what racism is like on both sides, you know, and that's one of the reasons, the reason that I bring that up is the closest I ever came to racism was in those moments is because, well, if your answer, you know, is to, is to justify when, you know, when hate crimes are committed against white people, if your answer is to suggest to all the white people in the room that they should just accept that that's just the way it is because of what other white people did to those black people, or in many cases, you know, other white people's grandparents did to their grandparents, you know, right. you know, especially for me. And I remember pointing this out and ironically there was like, I did have an African American fellow who kind of came to my aid in the argument in the Facebook group. When I pointed out, look, I'm Irish. I'm only fourth generation Irish at least as far as the part of me that's Caucasian, the rest is Native American. None of my ancestors ever owned slaves. You know, why should I be cash, you know, paying for the mistakes of you know, bigoted morons? You know, and then I brought up the stuff that happened to Irish people because the Irish, you know, the reason that my name is Kiernan and not Mick Kiernan is because Irish people in the United States took the MCs and the L apostrophes off the front of their names because if they figured out you were Irish, they wouldn't hire you. You know, um, in England, you want to talk about, like, you know, problems there. Obviously, you guys, anybody who's watched Braveheart knows what prima nocta is, but it used to literally be legal for, you know, um, British noblemen to show up at our weddings and have sex with our wives before we got to. You know, um, there was a British nobleman who's, like, one of his favorite things to do would be to find an Irish woman who happened to have a baby, hang her, and then hang the baby in her braided hair. I'm like, you know, it's there was a whole like other quote unquote racist element to that, and that's Caucasian on Caucasian violence. Mm -hmm. You know, so 
Well, yeah, it's like it's like uh, EJ said earlier is that some black people are intolerant of their people of their own skin color. For sure. So, EJ, what are your thoughts on white privilege? Are you still there? Says he's still there. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. You might have been muted. All right, well, yeah, I'm here. What are your thoughts on the white privilege issue? Yeah. Um, as far as white privilege, um, I only way I, I believe I, I believe in white privilege as far as the if that if you know you come from a rich family you come from a rich family that's about the only privilege that you have uh, being just born into money, but as far as like uh, let's say a white kid on the, that just grew up in the um, ghetto for instance you know he doesn't necessarily have to become some um, engineer or anything, he could choose to be a gangbanger in the neighborhood if he wanted to be. I mean, he might get accepted to the gang, or he might get accepted to just some other. He might become a pothead. He might just become a surfer guy. It's it's just decisions of the individual person. Uh, a person who's born into a rich family may have better opportunities, but it's always still up to the individual which way he chooses as far as privilege goes. So I don't believe in, like, privilege unless, you're, unless you already have money. Um, you, don't get, you don't get special treatment so much. Maybe a couple people, like, maybe there are a few people out there, like, that are uh, hiring bosses that may, you know, want part of the good old boy club, because there is a good old boy club, you know. There's certain little pockets of that going on. But on an on a overall basis, uh, like, overall, I don't think there's a – overall white privilege in America. All right, EJ. I know, unfortunately, you have a friend who's broken down and you're going to have to go, but it was great having you on. I'll finish the broadcast with Brandy. Any parting thoughts? Uh, No, thank you. All right. Well, it was great having you on. Um, um, Tell your friend thank you from V-Radio for you putting off going to go pick him up for this. I appreciate it. Uh, no biggie. All right, have a good one. Well, um, I think he made a lot of really good points. Um, it, it's interesting. I'm actually reading the chat now. Um, before I get into the you know, the audience participation, did you have points further on what he was talking about? Uh, yeah, I've, I've actually been ignoring the chat. Hopefully, nobody was asking anything or saying anything important. But um, but yeah, to, to touch on what he said. It is a lot of things, just like the racism issue itself, are up to the individual person. Um, But I think where that comes from is, again, going back to the racism thing, is just the overall economic disparity and problems that we see, division of races and social class and things like that that are still occurring in society, even though we've worked so hard to get away from that uh, over time. So I think that... In certain instances, I can see why that claim would be valid. I guess what I'm getting at is I don't know that there can be a concept uh, deemed as white privilege as a universal concept for all white people. It's just factually inaccurate to claim that. Um, If you want to claim in certain instances that this white person is more privileged because they grew up in a particular neighborhood or they... You know, we're more economically um, or financially well off. 
then you might say that that particular person is privileged or there might be a situation where, you know, again, I'd have to get the statistics on it of how many people actually do perceive white people as less dangerous or uh, more intelligent or any kind of uh, generalizations like that, then I can see why being of that skin color would make you privileged in a society that thought that way. Uh, the problem with that miscategorization is that society isn't that way. It's not that black and white, no pun intended. <laughs> um, there are black people who are born into privilege or who, you know, have, um, who are more financially well off than some white people. Like, for example, you pointed to they might be in a trailer park or something like that. And like in the movie Lean on Me, like you said, some of them might just be quote-unquote uh, I think it was Morgan Freeman then that gave yeah. the speech in the movie, right, about them being, you know, quote, white trash or something. Right. Um, so so you, can, you can be in a lower economic class regardless of what your skin color is and regardless of your race. Um, the issue that I think they're getting at here with the white, white privilege is the, again, the ripples that have occurred in today's society because of slavery a long time ago. And... Arguably, you could say if you're looking at somebody who, if if you just compare apples to apples and say, here's a white person, here's a black person, where are the chances of that white person being more well-off? It's just not that simple anymore to just say because their skin is white, they're privileged. You have to look at each situation individually. I mean, hell, you could argue the reverse and say, well, now because everybody's aware of racism and what black people went through, you're less privileged as a white person because you know, people are less likely to give you a break because you're white. So so you just never know. You, you know, you really have to look at every situation uh, individually. I, I mean, I know I myself, for example, was admitted to UNC Chapel Hill, and uh, I know that there were people in my class, white people in my class, who had similar or even better scores but were put on a waiting list to get into the school probably because they, uh, you know, th- they have to meet a certain quota for minorities and things like that. So at times, you know, you might be privileged because you're of a minority. It just depends on the situation and and what we're looking at exactly. I think this blanket concept of just white privilege, especially in a discussion, that's just almost borderline psychotic. If you're, if you're having a conversation with somebody and they say something and you say, well, you're winning the conversation because of your white privilege, that doesn't make sense. It's like, okay, does it work better if we just type it out then and we're not looking at each other? Like, how does that work exactly? If we're talking online and there's no skin color associated with the conversation, it's just ridiculous, you know? But but I guess that's kind of the way I see it. Is it's, it's definitely not a universal concept. It's not something that can be applied to white people universally. Can you say that in certain instances the white race in America is, you know, their uh, their numbers here are the majority versus black people. Yes, can you say that they like EJ brought up earlier as far as corporate business owners and their economic position in the country is overall better off than black people as a whole? Yes, because of our history and and other like I said other social pathologies that we need to deal with that we can't keep blaming on slavery. Are those all issues as far as black white and white privilege? Yes, but it's definitely not universal. It's definitely not that simple. Well, we got a caller who wants to be brought on, and I'll definitely get to that in just a moment. Um, one of the big things that I, I want to get to so that I make sure that I get this out is that um, 
the fact that it's an economic and not a racial phenomenon, um, to me, I think what's really important about it is to understand is that the elite in every country find ways to divide people. Okay? They find ways to keep people divided and not working together. And that's actually what the core of my argument in the Occupy Detroit group was. The guy made some comments that I you know, was like, why, why are you talking about the race of the people involved? You know, there are politicians of all colors screwing up this country right now. You know, um, and he's like, well, you know, if you don't go along with these thoughts that, you know, that, about white privilege and, you know, black racism and all that, then you're going to divide the, the movement and it's not going to be strong anymore. And I'm like, I'm not dividing the movement. You are. When you make comments like what white people need to do and what black people need to do and all this other nonsense, I'm like, now you're dividing us up. And now apparently, you know, because of the way that you're conducting yourself in this debate, the black activists are superior to white activists. You know, like, that's not going to bring more people into the conversation. You know, you're essentially going to alienate all of the white activists in the situation. I'm like, why can't we all just be standing up against economic disparity regardless of the color? And then he launched into this conspiracy theory that that apparently, you know, the, the, the Illuminati, you know, really rich people are all white and that this is actually all part of the white supremacist, you know, conspiracy to control the planet. I'm like, well, that's interesting. You know, I, I keep hearing all these different theories about the different ways that this is happening. So it's not the Jews anymore, <laughs> which I must add, whenever I hear this anti-Jewish crap that gets floated around in the conspiracy theory world that Jews are trying to rule the world, I'm like, you know, don't blame the Jewish race for the bullshit that Israel does. You know, um, it's a different tangent, but still, you know, it. People keep trying to make it about that. Um, it was actually Patty Joe Shannon in his film Capitalism and Other Kids Stuff that made me really think about it because he went on and in the many ways that the elite will divide each other, you know, divide by race, you know, divide by religion, divide by gender, you know, and then therefore all of the, the 99% are forever divided so that they can't unite, you know, um, as a 99%, because instead we're fighting for white rights, black rights, Hispanic rights, you know, when we should just be fighting for human rights. You know, we're, we're dividing our energy. Exactly. Like Jacques Fresco says, there are no women problems, there are no black problems, there are no white problems, there are only people problems. Right. So, in any case, um, my point was to say it's not that I don't think racism doesn't exist. It's that I think that racism is a tool and that it is a tool used by people to keep us divided. But at the end, that is what this is all about. And the more we allow that to happen, the more we're playing into their game. If I've got to go through some special, like, you know, uh, Essentially, if I have to accept all of these dumb ideas that somehow I'm, you know, an inferior activist because I happen to have white skin, in order to unify, that you know, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. Nor will I accept it. You know, would I accept it? And if I was at a meeting right. and they tried to say the same thing to one of the black kids in the room, I'd tell them to <laughs> f themselves, and then we'd be leaving. 
you know, I, I just, that's the thing that makes me so angry about it, is that when somebody invokes skin color, I get really angry. This is something I don't play around with. And, you know, I'm the, one of the first people to confront racism anytime I see it. The funny thing is, is that you don't generally see it as much, because like I said, racists are, are a joke nowadays in society. So, um, but when it gets thrown in your face, when you're somebody who has, in fact, fought for equality, who has taken crap for having friends who are people of color, you know, who has been discriminated against for those reasons, you know, it, it's, that does not ins that does not inspire me to be a better racially motivated equality activist. Did you see what I'm saying? Do you understand what I mean? I, mean, I just want to make sure I'm clear. Yes, yes. Somebody's actually asking in the chat now, who are the blacks who talk about black activists being superior? Who pushes that? And didn't you just talk about that at your Occupy? Well, thing? right. Yeah. It's He wasn't going to spit that out, you know, like in those words, other than the, the, the people that were teaching the white privilege class, you know, essentially, you know, what what ends up happening when they're finished is that white people in the audience are essentially not allowed to talk anymore, you know, and if they do, then they're utilizing their white privilege. And that's why I said, you know, when that one activist was bragging about how there weren't going to be any white men talking, you know, to the media during the first Occupy Detroit rally, you know, <laughs> that's basically, you know, it. You know, it's like, who pushes that? You know, well... The idea that, for example, I, because I am white, that I can't ever claim to have ever suffered or have ever endured, you know, what it means to grow up in the ghetto is just flat-out bullshit. It's bullshit. Or that you can't be a victim of racism. Well, yeah, or that I can't be a you know, victim of racism. You know, um, I, I basically at that point, you know, I cannot, it's bullshit. <laughs> You know, and the other point I was going to get at, because, like, you might remember Alberto Cruz from Mexico, and I talked to him about this. Well, they've only got Hispanic people in Mexico for the most part, but they still have a 1% versus 99% issue, you know, and it's not racial. You know why? Because the elite in that situation can't make use of that tool, so they don't. They don't divide people by races over there um, because it's mostly all one race, so they can't, you know, that's essentially what, you know, what comes out of this, that um, I think that they're essentially giving into it in a way that is a distraction. They're not concentrating on the truth of the situation, which is that people who have an enormous amount of money look at the rest of us, realize that there's so many more of us, so to make sure that we're not effective, they do actively divide us. So... Right, and, and I think the important thing to, to note here is for people to really take away from this is, again, the difference between racism itself and acting on that racism. You don't have to have the economic ability or even the intellectual ability to act upon your racism. You don't have to actually act on it in order for you to be racist. You, racism is just a state of mind. It's a belief. You can be racist and not do anything about it, but sure. you can still be racist, period. So I think people, especially the people making those videos and stuff and preaching that black people can't be racist and all of this, need to understand the difference between racism and racial oppression. Okay, fine. I understand that because of slavery and a lot of, uh, you know, after effects that are happening still today because of that, you can say that white people as a race have in more instances economic control or, like, 
EJ was saying earlier, as far as corporatocracy, and he believes that most of the people who are in control as far as corporations go and things like that may be of white skin color. Um, so I can see why they would say, well, you know, in my situation, I'm not capable of racial oppression. Okay, great, perfect. I'm probably not capable of that in a lot of cases, too. You know, if I'm up against uh, a white person who has tons of money, I'm probably not in a position to racially oppress that person. They're capable of doing that to me, but not the other way around. However, a totally separate issue is that I am still capable of being racist. It's a belief, it's a state of mind. If I believe that he is a certain way, or I dislike him or whatever because of his skin color or because of his race, then I am being racist. Um, Whether or not I have the ability to fire him or do something to him or put him out of his home or something like that just means that I have an ability to act on my racism. It doesn't distinguish the existence of racism in my mind. I really don't know any clearer way to explain it because, like you said earlier, you think that would be common sense, but it's frightening to me that it's not. So it's like I just want to define it over and over and over again (laughs) until people can understand the simplicity of that explanation. Sure. Let's go ahead and bring on our caller, because I know he said he's worried about his phone dying. Um, All right, James, you're on the air. Hi. (laughs) Sorry, I just uh, wanted to chime in. It just seems like there's three of you, but there's only really one point of view. You're just Mm -hmm. talking to each other. There's a lot of confusion over definitions. Um... Partly, what I mean, what you're talking about is prejudice, which is different. Um, racism requires some kind of action. It's this thing about having to have power. I don't agree with. I think Fox News went out and found some kind of misinformed people to put them on the air to stir up a big controversy, and apparently it worked. But as far as I know, this isn't really a, a thing. There aren't a lot of black people who feel that they are not capable of being racist. Uh, I'm just not aware of that. Of course they can. I'm mixed race, by the way. I'm not easily identifiable. So maybe I'm a little more sensitive or aware because I've gone through life having to constantly explain what I am and why I look the way I do. Um, And I've also experienced racism from both sides. So, you know, that is real. Um, Of course, anybody can be racist. But if you're just having thoughts in your head, that's not affecting anyone if you're not saying anything or doing anything about it. And that's prejudice. That is not racism. Just the definition of racism says that, that that's actually that's actually wrong. Racism is a type no, of prejudice. No, no, read it read it again. You read it, but you read it quickly and you skipped over that part. Read it again. Okay. Well Which while part? she's uh, looking that up, um Fox News, as far as their little portion of that very long video, um, I don't know if you watch the rest of it, but there's a whole lot of it on there. And, like, if you're saying that they're just, like, a select small group of people, I'm afraid you're wrong, because I've encountered these people myself. Um, well, I, I couldn't I couldn't stand it, to be honest. It, it was too awful. Well, <laughs> if you keep watching it, you're going to hear a lot more awful. You're going to hear black people calling for them to murder white babies. I'm not making that well, up. And, <laughs> see, there's a lot of conflating of things here. I mean, that's that's there's radical extremism of any type you're going to run into. There's going to be people that are just obnoxious and ignorant 
um, about anything. Um, I, I just okay. I don't know, but and, and then the white privilege is not really related. That well, is let, a real let thing. Let her read. Let's do one thing at a time here. Read the definition. Well, right. yeah. I, okay. Well, first I just want to clarify that when I said thoughts in your head, I was specifically referring to the belief. Not just having general thoughts. I think everybody thinks that we're thinking about it now. That doesn't make me racist. I understand that people have different thoughts about different people and they talk about it. That doesn't make them racist. Racism is a belief. That's what it is. It has nothing to do with whether or not you act on it. The definition now says uh, a belief or doctrine that inherent differences among the various human races determine cultural or individual achievement, usually involving the idea that one's own race is superior and has the right to rule others. And then it also says hatred or intolerance of another race or other races. doesn't say you have to do anything because you feel that way. You just have to feel that way and believe that, and that's racism. I was pretty sure you racism, said the word action. I could have misheard you, but I was pretty sure. I, I, did, say, I did say before that uh, there's a difference between being racist and acting on that racism. I did say that, and I think that that's where that notion of black people can't be racist comes from because they feel like they're not in a position to act on that racism in all cases, which may be true, but that doesn't mean that they're not capable of being racist. So I, I hear what you're saying, but I think it's a, a clear distinction to be made that racism is, in fact, a form of prejudice. They don't preclude each other. Just like okay, sexism well, there, and d discrimination I, against sexual orientation and stuff like that. Those are all prejudices. Does I, that, I think I I'm know sorry, where, that that, so, where that's so, coming from. Okay, well, let me... From, let me from, I took an African-American uh, African studies class on racism... And the professor did talk about the difference between prejudice and racism. And it, it, as I recall, involves some sort of action, not necessarily power. I think they're also conflating institutional racism, systematic racism, which are different. Sure. sure. Yes, I agree with that. I agree that as far as uh, institutional racism and, like you said, systematic racism, things like that are not necessarily the same thing as just prejudice. I was just referring to the fact that racism, the belief that uh, human races are different culturally or um, their human characteristics are different because of race or superior or inferior because of race, that belief, um, same as you know, sexism or discriminating against somebody because of their sexual orientation, their age, their weight, those are all forms of discrimination that involve prejudice. Yeah, I see. I'm, I'm on Merriam-Webster, and it does say what you said. Um, you know, and definitions can change over time. The English language actually sure. kind of evolves, so um, I'm not sure. But uh, those people are definitely not correct that it's impossible for black people to be racist. Um, so I agree with you on that. But as far as white privilege, well, I mean, me, that's I mean, a real I, thing. I wanted to pipe in more, well, a little bit more on that just before yeah. we get into that. I feel like you're treading into a little bit into dangerous waters. You're using certain phrases that are used to shut people down when they want to call out racism. And sometimes that racism is real and needs to be called out. Um, and sometimes people use certain tactics. And I hear you using these phrases like, if you would just stop talking about it, it wouldn't be a problem, that kind of thing. That's dangerous. And you're gonna, I think you're going to find um, people get angry at you sometimes. Well, yeah, there Maybe are with people who get angry, particularly when they're being called out because they're playing a race card when it isn't appropriate. Um, but 
Um, I'll tell you a story about that in a minute, but, okay, racism definition, the belief that all members of each race possess characteristics or abilities specific to that race, um, so as to distinguish it as, um, prejudice or discrimination directed against someone of a different race based on such a belief, that's the second one, that's a noun. Um, there isn't anything in there about power over anyone else. There isn't anything in there about economic position. You know, it's like because I'm getting told the same thing in the chat as we speak, and I'm like, it's, it's, they're wrong. <laughs> it's like, it's that simple. You're wrong. I'm sorry, but that's not the definition. It doesn't have anything to do with power. So that's why. Well, I'm telling you that there is something to that was being taught in college courses. You know, 15 years ago when I was there, that may be different. I, you know, it's not just something people just invented out of nothing. But I also agree with you that it is wrong that black people can't be racist. That's silly. Okay. Well, I'm glad we agree. So with it's sort of a yeah, it's sort of a non-argument and quibbling over the definition. Well, but unfortunately, like you know, like I guess you said you didn't you didn't think it was a thing. Well, finish watching that video that was disgusting you so much, um, because it's worth it. <laughs> Yeah, okay, um, I'll try. Yeah, and and I just I do want to ask real quick when you were saying that you, you're hearing, uh, I don't know who you're referring to. You said you're hearing things being said that are dangerous. Like if we just don't talk about it, it'll go away. I don't know if you were talking about us on the show because that's the reason we're having the show and talking about it is because we don't think that it will go away if we don't point it out that it's going on. Um, I did say that the solution isn't to then engage in reverse racism and just hate white people instead. I, I do think that. Sure. Racism against blacks and against whites both need to be talked about and addressed, and we need to educate people to understand our differences and our similarities, and not just come up with a shorthand and try to blame it on somebody's skin color. <laughs> no, I'm talking about like the Andrew Breitbart tactics and people like that. Oh. So when black people say, "Hey, that's racist," they say, "No, it's not. You're just playing a race card, and if you would just shut up, it wouldn't be a problem." Oh. And they try right. to shut you down. Yeah. Yes, that's not cool. Right. So when you, I, I just think if you're gonna use that kind of the kind of the same language, you should be a little sensitive because of the way it's being used by other people who are not so sensitive. If, if that makes any sense. Well, no, for sure. I think that. Um, Okay, I guess one of my major points when I say things, for example, like, you know, if you stop talking about it or whatever, it's more has to do with the fact that when you're in a non-racist situation and there isn't any racists in the room and then you suddenly drop the race issue into the conversation, oh. you know, well, now all of a sudden we're all racist, we're all thinking about race, we're all perceiving people through the color of their skin, even if we are not people who think of them, you know, differently because of that. Now we're all suddenly conscious of the colors of the skin of everybody in the room when we don't need to be, you know. Okay. So I get what you, you know, I'm sorry, what's your name, James? Yeah, that's, that, that's not helpful either. No, I agree. Yeah. But there are times when people, it's like if your personal life experience is such that you've seen it, something's happened to you, and you say something about it, and somebody else is denying your personal experience and that it never, like it didn't really happen because there is no racism and you're just crazy, I mean, that's infuriating, and that happens. Of course. I've had that happen to me before. I know exactly what you mean. And I, I actually, I just wanted to kind of reiterate what you said, because now that Neil touched on it, so I, I feel like what you're saying that I didn't necessarily understand before is that if somebody is legitimately 
referring to an instance of racism that happened or talking about a personal experience, we or nobody has the right to say, hey, don't talk about that. It would go away if you would just be quiet. I totally agree with that. I think what Neil was saying is if people would stop trying to play the race card when it's actually not legitimate, then that would help the situation. So I agree with you. If somebody's talking about racism that's happening or uh, being a victim of racism, nobody has the right to tell them to be quiet and it'll go away. Don't talk about it. That's absolutely wrong. I think that we do need to talk about it. And on the other hand, the opposite, you know, the other side of the same coin is stop trying to attribute things that aren't racism to your skin color or to somebody mistreating you. Well, I'll bring up the example I brought up earlier. If somebody is a minority, for example, and they're showing up to work late all the time and not performing up to standards and then their white boss says, I'm going to have to let you go, and they say, oh, it's because you're racist. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you know, reassess the situation and what you're doing and the fact that you work with three other black people that are still here and one of them just got promoted. Look at all of that before you just assume that you're being mistreated because of race. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's actually a really good point. I, yeah, I, I'm sure that does happen. I don't, I don't know how common it is, you know, that people want to attribute things to their skin color that's not. A lot of times it's confusing because things happen and you never know why why you didn't get that job or, or why they, why that mind. lady was looking at why was he looking at me that way or why you don't know and most of us don't go around calling it out if we're not sure you know that's true so I'm sure there are some people that do that but I don't I don't know how common it is um hey dude I'm on the air please don't yell <laughs> sorry about that um that was my uh black roommate calling to one of my white roommates about a beer because they're going to share one. And the fact that he's black has zero to do with the conversation. <laughs> Imagine that. I have black friends. Oh. No, there's, <laughs> no. Then there's just there's just ignorance. of like I got on the diversity committee at this corp company I was working at, mm-hmm. and I'll just get to the, the most ridiculous part. They For Black History Month, they served fried chicken in the cafeteria, and they had <gasps> no idea... What what was wrong with that? Like they didn't get it, and then, <laughs> I said, "Well, they said we talked to black people, too, and they told us." I'm like trying to I'm trying to stifle my laugh, and then I hear you laughing, and I'm like, "Oh, it's okay, never mind." <laughs> well, you see, I think I think that's also really important so that you understand what my stance really is. You know, especially before we bring on the next caller who's frothing at the mouth, um, is that uh, I'm not saying that racism doesn't exist, and I'm not saying that there aren't people that are dumb enough out there perhaps to give somebody privilege because they're white. My point is is that the solution to those issues is not to then institute black privilege, you know, or Hispanic privilege to somehow counter those things. You know, and that's basically it's what I call the snapback effect. When you get feminists, for example, who get so angry at men that they become sexist. You know, uh, Well, I I know what you're saying, and I've experienced that, but you also have to be a little aware when you go into a certain domain where people are having a discussion. I had this happen in a women's studies class, and I was just asking innocently about, you know, how can you really be separatist? We're 50% of the population. How are you going to get away from us all? And they just ripped my head off because I was so (laughs) stupid. But I I was in their domain, 
and like they didn't have any patience for me and you know that that's just the way it was I don't know if that's right or wrong but it happened Who's, did you say you wanted to bring on somebody else who yeah. are you talking about yeah I can get off if you um, want to move on Okay, well, I mean, yeah, it's fine. Oh, I didn't, I didn't mean to We also only have like a half hour left, and I'll be sure we get a chance to take some of these callers. But um, I do want to answer a couple of questions from the chat first. Um, And like one of them was about, you know, do I think that there's racism in the criminal justice system? Um, I obviously think that there's going to be some judges, of course, that are in a position, because I've seen them, you know, they discriminate on issues of uh, religion, for example. I was, you know, cross-examined once. You know, in a situation where my religion was being brought up, you know, um, I think that, you know, they do take certain privileges, and that's one of the reasons I don't, you know, really agree with, the, you know, the judicial system as it's designed. But I also think that that's also an economic issue, you know, um, more than it is a racial issue. I think you could certainly have racist judges, but you could also have sexist judges, and then, boy, have I ever met them. Um, you know, and you can have judges of any type that are going to, but as far as a specific problem, I think the judicial system is set up in such a way that it's an economic problem. If you don't have money, you don't, you don't do so well. It doesn't well, matter what color you are. You know, and a lot of times those are connected because if you look at society today and, and in a lot of cases, the, uh, economic position that minorities are in sometimes in comparison to the majority of white people, um, then all you have to do is attribute the the um, imbalances in the judicial system as far as economics goes, and then it sort of bleeds into race as well. So, for example, you could say, well, yeah, the judicial system is unfair to poor people, which you in certain neighborhoods or certain areas might be the majority of black people. So then in that particular situation, you're going to see more black people being incarcerated because they don't have any money and they're having the same social pathologies over and over again that nobody's addressing. So, you know, you can often see significant overlap between both of those issues, the the judicial system, economics, and race. Uh, It just, again, it goes back to what you pointed out, which is that the solution isn't to then just do the same thing against the opposite race. (laughs) We we are going to have to get, get over that as much as possible at some point. And try to uh, again, it just goes back to education. Try to educate people um, that we're all the same in terms of humanity, regardless of our race. Well, you know, that's actually another point that just kind of sprung in my head as it occurred to me. You know, um, the first time around, the cops that beat up Rodney King, you know, got off, and then there was a huge race riot, and then they drug this white trucker named Reginald Denny out of his truck and nearly beat him to death. And the guys who did that got to walk. And there was no justice for Reginald Denny because he was a white guy who got beat up during a race riot inspired because some white cops did something to a black man. Reginald Denny didn't do anything to deserve to get the crap beat out of him. He was targeted because of his skin. You know, that's essentially, you know, when you talk about privilege, (laughs) you know, uh, that's where I run into a problem. It's like, okay, so these black gentlemen, because of the racial situation, had the privilege of getting to beat a man nearly to death and be acquitted. 
Okay. And this was on... You can still see the video. You can Google it. You know, Reginald Denny beating, you know, Rodney King riots or whatever. You'll find it. You know, and there was just as much, if not more, evidence, you know, because there was video evidence during the day in broad daylight of this trucker getting beat nearly to death. And those men were... Well, I'm not... I'm sure I remember the details, but, you know, in L.A. at that time, they couldn't keep the black people off the juries, which was the problem in some cases, because black people were pretty angry. And I'm not saying that's right, but I think that had a lot to do with... Well, weren't they being racist? OJ. Maybe. Well, I mean, I don't think that the guys who beat up Rodney King deserved to get off, but I certainly don't think the guys who beat up Reginald Denny did either. So he basically got to be sacrificed on the altar of racism. And to me, I I never liked that, not even when I was a kid. And I despise racists of all colors. Nazis, like, there's a reason that in my fiction books, Nazis are one of the villains, because, man, do I ever love writing about (laughs) Nazis getting what comes to them, you know. I Um, I think it was more personal for the people. They were fed up, and there, there is racism in the law in some cases like the diff- and it's not it is economic as well but the difference between <laughs> crack cocaine and and regular cocaine the sentences i can't i don't know the numbers but it's a huge difference you get way more time for crack for the same amount and that's happens to be the drug that more of the black people were using so well, the and that's the you- other thing about racism does not require intent Institutional racism is racism whether anybody planned it or intended it. It's still racism. That I do know. Well, I would say that, you know, being somebody who, once again, grew up in the ghetto and has been in the presence of crack cocaine, my neighbor neighbor was a crack dealer. I got to watch his house get raided on a regular basis. Um, Crack, you know, I believe in decriminalization, okay? I'm, I'm not an advocate for the drug war, but if I had to pick which drug was more evil... Crack is by far one of the most destructive, life-destroying drugs there is. I don't care who smokes it. If, if more black people smoke it or more black people deal it, or it, it, that's irrelevant to me. Crack will kill anyone, no matter what color their skin is, if they start smoking it. It, it will destroy your life. It doesn't care what color you are. You know, anyway. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't, I don't want to get into the semantics of drugs, but, I mean, you can take powdered cocaine and freebase it, like Richard Pryor in the old days. I mean, it's the same drug, I guess. It it just seems, like, unfair for you to get so much more time in prison um, for the same drug in a different form, and it just happens that that's, you know, you're you're targeting a lot of black people that way. And like I said, I don't know that there was any intent, but that's the effect. And that's why, I mean, statistically, there's way more... um, out of proportion numbers of, of especially black men in prison mm-hmm. and uh, that's part of the reason well let me uh, right. let me get into that in a minute I do want to bring on this caller um, and Brandy you had some statistics also about um, the the racial statistics of violence um, and how they are as far as like like the likelihood of somebody of one race being attacked by the other um, I know you linked some of that in your Facebook conversation that was you right Yes, I think so. I don't have the link up. Right, but I've heard statistics that it's actually been proven that you're actually that black people more commonly visit out crime upon white people than the other way around, at least in our current economic paradigm. You know, Mm -hmm. is that racism 
or is that an economic reality? I tend to think it's an economic reality. Right. You know, to some it's degree, definitely, yeah, you definitely can't all be attributed to racism. You can't just say, oh, they're seeking out white people because they hate them. It's probably one of the girls I was talking with in the thread brought up. It's probably a lot due to economic disparity, especially if you want to argue in a lot of neighborhoods or places they might not be as well off as people of other races necessarily. So maybe they're some of the uh, property crimes and stuff like that are going to take place against somebody of another race because that's what they're looking for. They don't want to rob other poor people. That doesn't make sense. Sure. So so naturally that you're going to see that too. Right. Let me go ahead and bring on um Zeitgeist Sacramento. Um I'm going to pull him up. That would be he said his area code was 916. Um now those of you who are on the call-in line if you want to actually be heard, I know the reason I don't just activate everybody's mic as they come in is that frequently people call in and just listen and don't really want to be brought on the air. So it's always awkward. So if you want to be brought on, then talk in the chat room, and I'll bring you on. So 916 area code, you're on the air. Hey, Neil. Thanks a lot. Um, really great listening to your show. I'm, I'm a Zykeist member here in Sacramento. And I was just kind of calling to agree with the last caller. I mean, I think that you guys can probably make the point that blacks can be racist. That's certainly true. I mean, we, we understand that that's clear. So that, to me, I can't disagree with. But if we look at the history of African people being enslaved in this country, that's where racism comes from. I mean, back in Europe, they had this kind of phrenology, so-called pseudo-phrenology. And that phrenology was used, and the concept of phrenology was that blacks were inferior to whites. And these are the kinds of racist perspectives that they've been using for over 400 years to maintain a certain level of power and privilege. So I have to disagree with you that, you know, racism doesn't have anything to do with power. It does have something to do with power. Particularly, that's, that's the thing that matters the most. When we talk about desegregating the schools, you know, the uh, desegregation of schools, that was a power issue. When we talk about um, how certain people of color are held back because of the color of their skin, that's largely a power issue. But that doesn't mean that people of color can't be prejudice or racist, but they most of the time don't have positions of power to enforce that racism, to enforce what they may think about whites or what they may think about some other uh, uh, race of people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, okay. I think I also understand where we where the misunderstanding was. Let me let me field this for a moment, Brandy, and then I'll let you jump in. Um, uh, what I was getting across to you and what Brandy and I are voicing a frustration with is the people who suggest that the definition of racism you know, is to also be in a position of power to be able to do something about your racist beliefs. And that they give themselves a blank check to make as many racist or bigoted statements as they want to based on people's, the color of people's skin, because after all, they're not in a financial position to be able to do anything to people of the race that they dislike, so therefore they're not racist, which is ridiculous, because that's not what racism is. Is racism used as a tool to achieve power? Absolutely but I don't think that that's unique to white people. Um, it is currently, you know, obviously because right now anyway, you see it in the United States, um, you know, and the United States is, sent, is, is tend to be, you know, referred to as the focal point of the world or whatever, um, you know, but there also just happens to be more white people in this country. You know, when you go to other countries, you're going to see the same kind of power issues brought up, you know, like I brought up Mexico as an example. Well, the majority of people in Mexico are Mexican. <laughs> Um, vast majority. So, you know, that's just the way it is, you know, um, and they still have issues of disparity, issues of 
um, you know, the, the people of class, essentially, the people of wealth, you know, uh, oppressing the people who don't have it. I have friends on both sides of that. I have a friend who is wealthy, lives in Mexico, and then a friend who wasn't. Um, and even the wealthy one, mind you, was, you know, was very enlightened, and he didn't like what was going on. And it's the reason he got out of law. He was a lawyer in Mexico. Um, and I think my point was is that and what bothers me about, and that's what you know what, what this show is about, is that when we suggest that, first of all, the, the worst part about it is to suggest that it's, that it's all white people that are doing it. Um, when you think about it, when you look back on who the elite are, okay, when I think of the elite, let's talk about the Bush administration, perhaps one of the biggest, most obvious personifications of the elite that have done terrible things in this country. Well, they weren't all white. You know, Coleman Powell, uh, Condoleezza Rice were both very central to a lot of the things that were done, you know, during the Bush administration. Were they more? No, they weren't. They weren't more responsible. But I put them right up there with Donald Rumsfeld, George Bush, and Dick Cheney. I think Powell actually realized what was going on and resigned. Um, but Condoleezza Rice was one of the gang, and she was pushing their propaganda the whole damn time. You know, um, the fact that, you know, that's why I don't, I just don't believe that it is, it is an issue of race alone. I think it is an issue of economic placement. And then they, they basically blind us by making us think it's a racial issue. And that's how you ended up, for example, that the Irish and the blacks used to feud a lot in early America. You know why? Because we were competing over the same shitty jobs. (laughs) That's literally it. The reason Irish and Italian people hated each other was because they were competing over the same crappy jobs. You know, there's the reason that they, you know, that they hated each other is because they were in, in direct competition with one another. Even though, and the reason why is because they were both the bottom caste of that country. You know, that's and that's the reason. You know, for example, the reason why uh, in New York, you know, the 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 police and the firemen's funerals always had the bagpipes and all that. It's because they were predominantly Irish, because it was a job that nobody wanted. Um, the Italians, you know, developed the mafia, and that immediately obviously put them in direct competition as well. Um, so basically, both because being Italian or Irish was a great way to get, you know, mistreated. Um, so that's why I think is that we put the blinders on and we allow them to make it just about the race, then they're succeeding. That's exactly what they want us to do. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not arguing just about the race. I think it's like I said in the chat room that it's about race, class, and gender, and those things. This is the reason why this topic is so difficult to talk about because those things intersect. But we also understand that there's a notion of white, you know, power in the sense that, like you said, whites are the majority here. Whites also happen to be empowering most of the institutions in this country. So Congress of Rice may have been a black person under the Bush administration, but black people as a whole don't hold that much power in, 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 in any institution in this country. So there's a distinction that has to be made. Now, you should call, in, call into question any time blacks are being racist or, or doing ra- racist things or, or, or call, you know, using racist terms or whatever, they should be calling into question. I've been calling my people into question about using the N-word for well over 30 years. I think that's a form of internalized racism. Sure. So I will call out a question on any black person who uses that N-word and try to justify it. So it's the same thing if a black person looks down on a person, another person because of the color of their skin, you know, I will call, call the, the question on that. But at the same time, I'm not going to be confused to think that there's not a white privilege and white power operating within inside the capitalist, you know, 
uh, uh, society. Uh, it, it's, it's a history of that. I mean, we were enslaved right. because of white power. You know, right. That's and why I, we and were I, enslaved. Looks like Brandy Pye. Yeah, no, I do just want to... I want to really get back to when you first came on the call because I think, I think Neil might have hit the nail on the head, but I just want to reiterate. You did say that you agree that anybody's capable of being racist, uh, but then you said you disagreed with the second point, but from what I understood, you actually agreed with with the point I made on that because I don't recall saying that there isn't any social or economic stratification because of racism. I definitely agree that there are economic issues involved, but like Neil said, the important thing that we were pointing out was that it's factually incorrect for any race to claim that they can't be racist because of their economic position. That's wrong. So I agree with you that, number one, black people can be racist, and some of them are, in fact, racist. And number two, that because of the history of racism and what black people have been through, we're still feeling the ripples in society now from slavery and even from discrimination that occurs today. So I definitely agree with you on that point, and I believe I've mentioned several times throughout the show that we've experienced that. Uh, what Neil and I were pointing out is that the solution to that isn't to then turn racist against those skin colors who are inflicting that upon you. We, we have to address those issues from the ground up as an entire socio socioeconomic system and what type of holes in the system make those kinds of uh, prejudices possible and for people to have power to act on those those kinds of beliefs. Um, so, so, I, so, I Brandy, so, Brandy, I, can, I, can, can I just let me, you, guys, you guys cover a lot of things. I'm trying to dip in there before you keep going to another topic. <laughs> so do you think that the personification of black racism, how pervasive do you think it is? you know, in terms of in society. In other words, to what extent is this a black racism, to what extent is it a, is it a problem? Is it a little bit of a problem or a huge problem? Is it a significant problem that, that we need to really to really focus on or the one we just need to highlight? I mean, how big a problem do you think it really is? And how does it personify itself? Well, I mean, there's different kinds of effects when you're talking about the word problem. I mean, it's it's very general when you're saying what kind of problem it is. If you If you were to ask me, what kind of an economic problem is that? How is that affecting white people economically? Then probably mm -hmm. not at all, you know? Okay. Uh, as okay. far as society and education of young black people, it's very detrimental. It's absolutely mm -hmm. detrimental because it's teaching them that that's the correct mentality to have in response to the way we were treated historically. That's absolutely wrong. Yes, embrace your history. Do you think that's coming from us? Do you think that's coming from the kind of racist society which we live in? We all picked up and learned these racial prejudices and, these ra and this kind of racist views so we have to unlearn, you know, through the system. Because, again, if you have a system that, system, you know, if you have an education system that at one time, and it still does, try to teach that people of color are inferior to Europeans, right, and that the, that the European culture was superior to other cultures, if that's been something that's been around for a long, long time, then that's going to affect everybody's viewpoints and ideas. We have to unpack that and unlearn that. That's right. part of what the Zeitgeist movement is about, is trying to trying to change those cultural viewpoints, you know, and those kind of having that value shift we talk about and the Absolutely. way we look at each other. So it's like that's part of what it's about, but at the same time it's recognizing that there is a power structure that operates within society and people do have they experience different problems and different and different discriminations based upon their color or their gender or, you know, or even their, uh, their Right, but let me just interject here because I think I think I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I think the point that you're missing though is there is uh, 
you know, there is that, that economic control that, uh, mm-hmm. like you said, the white people have in situations mm-hmm. economically in this country. So I agree with that. What we're saying, though, is the solution to that isn't to then redefine racism and say, I, as a black person, can't be racist against you as a white person because of that economic situation that we're in. We, we need to educate people properly, black people and white people alike, to understand our history, why we're in the situation we're in, and like you said, the Zeitgeist Movement, to transcend these boundaries. You don't offset that. You don't offset previous racism by then being reverse racist against the white or whatever skin color. Because it's not mm-hmm. even – racism has occurred all over the world historically, even before right. African Americans were enslaved. It's, it's, it's right, occurred exactly. globally, you know. So we, we mm-hmm. can't even say necessarily that, uh, you know, African slavery was the origin of racism necessarily. We know that as soon as humans had the ability to be discriminatory against people of another skin color – you know the Jews. No, we're talking, about it, we're, talk, we're talking about it in the context of this country here. It mm-hmm. was the foundation of this country is based upon, you know, racism and enslavement of people, as well as class oppression. And we, we, these things all go hand in hand, but they also have particular kinds of uh, uh, experiences with different, you know, with different groups of people. So right. we can say that race, class, and gender oppression run, is universal. Yes. But there are also just particular experiences that black people have experienced, that Native Americans have experienced, that Hispanics have experienced, that even poor whites have experienced. Those things are pervasive, but they all have particular realities that we need to highlight. And also, I want to make one last point, is that it's not also about economic power, but it's also about cultural power. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, because Europeans, for a long time... Which, unfortunately, like is influenced by economic power. <laughs> Yeah, well, it is. I mean, that's the face of it, I and mean, I, I agree with right. that. But it's also, and we all play into that, and so we have to unlearn it. We have to unlearn it because, to me, when it comes to black people, I think institutionalized racism hurts us the more. And that's the reason why we turn, we, we, we oh, sure. that internalized racism and we put it out on other people because of the position that we're in. If we were, if we were in the position of real freedom and liberation, and you know, and, and have power over ourselves, then we would. <laughs> wouldn't do that. I mean, I don't do that because I don't feel, I don't internalize that racism. So I can accept my you know, my white brother and sister a lot easier because I don't internalize that racism. I don't look down Absolutely. upon myself. You know what I'm saying? So Right, and that's, that, and that's true. That's why it's so important. Because what you're saying is, is true, is that we have to overcome that and, and we have to, I agree with you, we have to highlight uh the unfairness in and the imbalance in today's society because of racial discrimination that's happened throughout history. That's absolutely yeah. true. And one of the ways to do that is to not allow the word racism to be distorted and for people to misconstrue what it even means and feel like they can just throw it around loosely and just kind of like, well, mm-hmm. I'm I'm technically well, against we have, you we because have to it's defined. We, we, right, we have to give it and, and the definition definition can be fluid. I mean the the notion of what we think about racism back in Say uh, you know, slave, you know, de facto slavery and de facto uh, segregation. That notion of slavery uh, is a little bit different than it's how we look at slavery today. But yet we have we deal mostly today with institutionalized racism, where you have uh, 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 largely white, in, you know, in, in positions of power in institutions, and they either consciously or subconsciously, you know, uh, enforce their right. prejudices. Upon in the institutions that are in. So we have to call the question. That's the reason why we want to use racial identity so that we can make sure that we can that we can chart that. So who's being arrested more? Who's being 
who can pick out of schools more, who's not being able to go to schools more. You need to chart that to see if there's any evidence that that that's not be happening because of race or just because people's not, you know, being limit their limit their responsibility. So we exactly. have to chart that and look. That's that's what a sociologist would do. You know, they would study that situation and say, all right, we do see that there's racism here, or do we do see that, all right, this group here really hasn't lived up to their responsibility. You know, we right, call exactly. question And the, the way, to, hey, the way quick, to do that... Oh, go I'm ahead. sorry to interrupt, though, just because we're down to the last five minutes. Um, I need to let everybody know. Um, the the maker of the Black Racism video that I linked in this uh, thing actually wants to come on the air. He's in the chat room right now. Um, I want to go ahead and connect him. So those of you who are listening, in five minutes, the broadcast will no longer be live, but it will still be recorded and it will be um, available in the recorded version later. Um, I'm really glad that this conversation went as well as it did. And those of you who are already on the switchboard will, I think, be able to stay on the broadcast. So, But I want to bring this caller on, um, and we can absolutely have another show about this topic if you guys are interested. So okay. let me go ahead and um, bring him on now. Um, caller in 510, you're on the air. Hello. Hi. So you made the Black Racism video? Yes, I made that uh, a couple of years ago, I think it was. Okay. can't remember exactly when, but yeah. Uh, it was uh, taken down, um, and then I had, or I didn't have, but Kay Kilo, the guy who's hosting that, is uh, hosting. I mean, he mirrored it as we on YouTube. Okay, well, excellent. Um, real quickly, Brandy wanted to make a point, and then we'll get launched into like your kind of your motives behind making that, and where you got the research done. And it's good to have you on. Go ahead, Brandy. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely great to have you on. That's a pleasant Thank you. surprise. <laughs> Um, no, I just wanted to, to kind of wrap up uh, what he was saying. I forgot his name from Zeitgeist Sacramento. Oh, Bakari. Bakari. Oh. Oh. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, I just wanted to to point out to I think the importance of at least that segment, that topic of the show, is that I think if these people were coming out and saying, "Hey, wait a second, we're we're African American. Let's look at reality. We're not capable of being uh, as." we're not capable of being in a position of racial oppression as much as white people are. I, I'd be, like, totally okay with that. I'd say, okay, let's look into that statistically, as future saying. It's this completely oversimplified notion of we literally can't be racist. It's just completely absurd and is dangerous when you look at an otherwise rationally thinking black person who starts to subscribe to this line of thinking because of their skin color. So that's just kind of what I wanted to get into because I didn't want to – sugarcoat or water down everything that you were bringing up about the economic disparity in our country and the the instance of white privilege in terms of uh, the institutionalized racism and things like that, those are all valid issues that need to be discussed. Um, but more importantly, if we're going to move forward, like you said, it's important that we clearly define these words and that we don't just let people take them and do what they want for their own agenda because then that's exactly how you end up with institutionalized mm -hmm. racism, discrimination, and, and rampant problems in the world is because we're not communicating. People are just thinking whatever they want, and nobody's holding them accountable for their words and for their beliefs. Right. We're now down to the last uh, 60 seconds, so those of you who are listening now, you know, please feel free to listen to the uh, archive version that will be uploaded shortly after this broadcast is over. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and everybody who's joined us so far. Um, please check out my website, the hyphen or the minus radio.org. Uh, there you'll find archives of other great shows like this one. 
Um, and if you like what you've heard, you know, I do this and it takes a lot of time. So if you're interested in, you know, um, volunteering, you know, please feel free to donate, you know, some money to the cause. Um, and uh, now that I've said that, we can basically go back to our conversation. Um, and uh, go ahead, Brandy. Oh, no, I was pretty much wrapping up, so I guess we can uh, hand the floor over to our, yeah. All right. Well, well I, I just gonna, if I could just point out though that that question about culture as well. I want to really highlight that as well because you know we really struggled with that hard during the six, particularly during the, but not even the sixties, but even the early twenties, all the way up to, to to now. We deal with that question about culture. I think mm-hmm. people, you know, people have a culture. All people have a culture, and culture is like your voice. It's, you know, it's like the voice of who you are. And a lot of times, our culture was was suppressed. You know, when we were enslaved and brought to this country, our names were taken from us. You know, we couldn't speak our own, our own native languages. Um, you know, that everything that about us was, you know, branded inferior. And we've been dealing with that, you know, for almost 500 years, not only just us, but other people of color as well. So we've been dealing with that kind of reality and been trying to unpack that for a long time, and we're still not finished. But at the same time, I think the most hopeful thing is is that now this is more of a global struggle now. So it mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't have to be about just, you know, what culture you are or what country you come from. We're all in this together, and I think that's what the point you guys are trying to make here is that we're all in this together and we need to figure out what the, the common kind of enemy is or the common oppression is yes. and try to, you know, fight against that. But the same, by while we're doing that, let's also recognize and highlight don't try to dismiss that these historical kinds of oppressions that happen to different groups of people, including women, um, you know, don't exist. They do. You know, they, right. they, they actually do. And so I, I think that we are in a, like I is in a good position to highlight these things, but at the same time try to, try to move forward with the global agenda. Well, I think that it is important to acknowledge all those things exist, and especially historically. I think the context that is the reason why I have a problem with the way that it's usually discussed is that it's like when I literally was told that it's all part of a white supremacist agenda, I'm like, well, now you're basically making sure that, you know, anybody who might use that agenda on anybody else, you know, like you might have that same agenda only you know, against people of different colors, you know, can just, you know, freely get away with it. And that's, I think, you know, honestly, was that, you know, whether or not it's the, the rich Mexicans, you know, pushing down the poor Mexicans in Mexico, you know, you get the same thing in South America. Anywhere there are rich people and poor people, the suppression exists. And if they have a race thing available, then they'll use it. Like you made the point, like when I made the point about Irish people, you know, yeah, they just tried to say, well, they're not really white, you know. Um, well, people, at, one point one, at one point they were not considered white. That's the thing. Right. At one point, they were not considered white, and they were considered black from from from, from a European from certain from British point of view. Irish right. were considered, you know, not white, and and they they actually can't quote unquote because you know we know racism racism is a construction anyway. It's not really it's not really really real. It's just a construction how we construct our views on it and how we shape it. Like it's like any definition. But at one point, the Irish were considered the quote unquote white nigger, you know, right. and so. But so, so I think again, again, this, this, this questions about the definition, who gets to define what things are. I think that's what we always uh, struggle with. I have one more point I wanted to make real quick. Okay. Anyway, okay. I mean, yeah, we all struggle. With that. I have another point I wanted to make too. Hmm? 
Yeah, go ahead. Just um, we oh, got a guy. We got another person. I'm going to get a It was a real important point, but I want to. I have to think back what it was. I'll come back to it in a minute. Okay, good. Hey, this is James. I I want to hear from the filmmaker too, but I'm still here, and I just wanted to try to quickly say something that I thought of that. The problem with, with racism is it hurts people. And so if you have hate in your heart, but you don't have any power to hurt anybody, it doesn't really matter. You know, mm-hmm. I think maybe we can agree on that. Well, it does. No, it does. I mean, I think that it's, even, I mean, I agree with you, James, that if you don't, if you don't act on you have the power, I mean, that's, that's certainly different than somebody who does have the power. But at the same time, we want, like Brandy was saying, we want to raise our children to, you know, like, I learned that racism or not even pick it up. So we should have we should have multiculturalism in the schools where everybody's culture is valued and we also where we question each other. We question our own culture. What is good about our what aspects of our culture is good and what aspects of our culture needs to be like changed. You know, because there not everybody's culture is perfect, right? But it, well, in most Okay, so it, maybe it does it does matter right, it's if you're raising children, especially. But okay, I'll shut up. Go ahead. Well, no, I'm sorry. I just, I we're, we're being rude to the caller. Okay. Um. So, first of all, thank you for coming on to talk about this video. How did you hear about the show? Uh, actually, Kay Kilo uh, let me know about that. He informed me uh, just, uh, I think it was today or yesterday. I forget. Oh, well, that's good. Um, I wonder how he heard about it. I know I had actually messaged him about the possibility of coming on at one point. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess basically, first of all, let me ask you, what went into you deciding to make that video? Um, well, when I first got on YouTube, I wasn't interested in this at all. I was interested in, out of all things, conspiracy theory, New World Order, you know, uh, blah, 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 secret societies and all that. Uh, I was reading about communism about the time, but very quickly I started to see um you know not just black racism i started i saw like white racism you know like genuine white racism and you you'll hear me say genuine white racism because i'm referring to the original definition um as opposed to the conflated multi multi uh usages of the word but um mm-hmm. i noticed pretty quickly that there was all these different claims going about, and I was pretty ignorant about a lot of stuff concerning the race, these uh, pseudo-historical views on different people and whatnot. And uh, I was doing the search, and then I started coming across stuff by Kay Kilo and, and others as well. And then my views started to shift from that pseudo-history, conspiracy theory nonsense to what actual real thing. So, just to cut, to make a long story short, uh, yeah, you know, I uh, realized that black, the video that I made, black, uh, opposing black racism, was in response to Quite a few people who were claiming that they could not be racist for all the things that you were discussing earlier about the power thing. I've actually heard about that before I even got onto YouTube. Someone had me before, like, hey, you know, black people cannot be racist. And, and I thought it was, like, weird, and I couldn't really explain it. 
um, like, okay, you know, but there was always something that kind of bothered me until I got onto YouTube and I started dealing with all these things that everybody deals with when they get onto YouTube, when they deal with the race issue. So anyway, I made the video, and I made the video according to the definition, as a po- uh, specifically about ideology, belief, doctrine, a philosophy. So if you, you know, first it's the claim, and then it goes into, you know, belief. In fact, I haven't even seen the video in a while. It's been just actually clicked on it today because K Kilo told me about it, so I didn't even watch it. I just like, oh yeah, that's why it's still up. But it's on uh, some kind of filter or something. Like that. Right, right. Yeah. So, can, can uh, I can I say can I make a distinction? I think that you can just you can this is the point I was trying to make earlier. You can there's there's races people you know spew out races uh, viewpoints and stuff like that on YouTube, black and white. That's a that's a that's a big difference though between say the white conservative party, right? Who there are elements in the you know Republican Party who definitely want to you know build up and, and maintain white privilege and white power, right? And and they're in positions to do that. I mean they have the money, they have the uh, the position to do it. You know they, they get they get supported for their views. Um, that's different than say somebody coming on YouTube and and saying what's on their mind. I'm not trying to excuse what people do on YouTube. I mean, I don't keep a hangout on YouTube a lot, but I'm not trying to excuse that because that's, that's wrong, too. But there's, 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 a, there's a fundamental difference between those two things. you understand my point? Yeah. Well, yes. The question is, the, the only reason why that's such a point of contention is that it keeps getting brought up that supposedly only people who have that that power, you know, the, the economic power can therefore be racist. And for some reason, when you retranslate the story back to them, you know, if a black person happens to have economic power over a white person, they, they're they not willing to accept that, you know, oh, okay, well, I guess that would be racism. It's like they need to complicate the issue. Like we've been over a few times, but... Um, no, you're, you're right about that. If a black person has... If a black person owns, say, an apartment building, and he says, I'm not going to allow white people to rent in an apartment building because they're white, then he is in fact he's enforcing not only his prejudice, but now he, he's, in a, he's in a position of power to discriminate and hold back. The question of it is, Neil, is to what extent does that, how, how pervasive is that in this country? How, how pervasive is the fact that black people are in positions of power to discriminate against white people or any other uh, color? Of but that's how, if how we're going by that. But right. if we're going by the definition of people in power, which I'm yes. going to argue that we have – if this country is so concerned about race and racism, we have to go back to its original definition and why it was coined in the first place, which when I was making the video, I was learning about where, it, in fact, it came from, which I you have to go to the Oxford – the OED to find the etymology of the word and where it comes from. That, you know uh, – just, oh, just so we know where, where it's derived. Now, the word racist, racialist was actually coined first, and then racist was coined like around 1901, although the OED uh, uh, states that Trotsky coined it in his book, The History of the Russian Revolution, but he used it vaguely. Lawrence Dennis coined it in the first English usage in 1934 or 5, I forget now. Um, he was a mulatto. He 
was an American diplomat. He passed for white, and uh, but he also used it vaguely. The also known as I believe I'm forgetting a lot of this stuff now because it's been a while since I read into it. But he was the godfather of fascism, American fascism, by the way. Okay, mm-hmm. he was an American diplomat in Nicaragua, and uh, pretty interesting character. But it wasn't him who actually coined racism as opposed to like racist or racialist stuff like that. Have, have you heard of the? Have you heard of the? Have you heard of the phonology? The phonology movement back in the day of Darwin. You ever that, heard of that? Yes, I have. Concept of phonology. Okay, I mean that to me is where you see a lot of the formations of racism getting yes. um, getting constructed because I mean these. These folks, these were pseudo scientists who were saying, you know, you know, they were digging up skulls and measuring people's heads. I totally understand that, but and, and they were making. Let, let, let him finish. Okay. Let him finish. Mm-hmm. The word right. racism was written by a book. I'm sorry, excuse me. It was written by a guy named Magnus Hirschfeld, a German okay. Jew, a sexologist. He was a homosexual, and it was in response. Uh, in about 1933. It was published in German in response to the Nazi bingo ideology. It was okay. in response to the beliefs and ideas of the. So yeah, phrenology can be included in that because those guys were genuinely racist back then. It's no different than the race and IQ debates that are going on with the race realists. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. very aware of all that stuff. But the definition okay. of racism, if we're going to get into. if a People in this country are going to talk about racism. They have to come to an agreement what it is, not what this group says, not what this other group says. About four main usages of the word. We have some people saying that the word is a useless word because it's so conflated, and I can kind of agree with that because it is so conflated. People can't talk about the word racism without drifting off into something else with another definition about something else. Um, and other people... That's the second, and then you have the inflated version, and then you have like another, uh, and you have the people of power version. So the definition, the original definition, and he didn't really define it, but he discussed the ideology of race. And yes, it's an outdated book because of the science, but basically discussed the racist ideologies of the day. Now, here goes the important part. This is before the actual Holocaust. This is pre-1933 stuff going on. Before the Nazis came to power, were they racist? That's the question I like to pose to people. Were they racist? Yes, they were racist. They were racist because, hey, they were considered riffraff. They were not in places of power. And but racism, genuine racism, was so prevalent back in those days... Um, you can see the pattern of what's going on right now. And this is going to get into some other stuff if if I'm allowed to speak on it. But I'm going to go a little bit deeper into what I see, and I think others are seeing, too, of, like, why is this going on? Why is this racism allowed to continue? So the idea that racism has any connection to power, first you have to have the idea then you have to create the doctrine and philosophy and then spread that idea. This is modern ideas of race. History of the Nazis. Actually, prehistory of the Nazis. Even like before World War One, you know, before uh even start before the Nazis became like a thing, uh genuine racism 
was a real deal. And yes, it was mainly whites, but it was a German Jew who wrote it. It wasn't about power. Only in the appendix of his book, Agnes Hirschfeld, did he mention um, racial laws. But anyway, I'll end it on that. I think the most important point you make, the last point you make about racial law, when we look at, we know we have, we know we can all agree that there was a history of racial law. You know, there were slavery laws. There were, there were in fact laws that enslaved people. There were laws that, that discriminated against people de facto, not just, not just an ideology, not just a set of ideas, but they were actually laws. So that's racism, and, and under that context, is somewhat different now that we've, we've dismantled many of those laws. So there's, 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 you legally cannot, you know, uh, discriminate against anybody in this country. We fought against that. That was a hard fight. But that doesn't mean that those racist ideologies don't still exist within the institutions of society. And that's why we have to study the institutions to see if those racist practices are still being applied because... They are harder to identify now that we that we you know kind of fought against the laws and dismantled the laws itself. Okay, but does that, we, it, it's not the institution; it's the people behind it. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, true. Well, everybody's. Sure. I mean, institutions are made up. Institutions are made up of people, and people. The disparities are well known in this country. They, they, they disparities are well known around the world. It's the people. It's it's you it's personal. No, we're it's and restrained it's from the point of the word. The, what okay. I was raised, I was when I was raised, I had to be a black child because I was I had black in me, and that's because mm-hmm. of the one drop law, and that yeah. was a law that determined whether or not somebody else could own you. Exactly. And I'm still alive. Well, I experienced that. I'm, so I'm this, half I mean, white, racism. By the way. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Right. The other and, 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 that, and that was a silly. I mean, that was a silly notion. The one, the one drop notion. I mean, all, all that was if that, based all, on that's, the racist silly notion. Well, no. All that stuff that happened back then is well known. The One Drop Law, the uh, Black Wall Street. I mean, we can go on and on about the history of what happened back then. We're talking right. about what's happening now, and what's oh, happening. Okay, that's personal. I'm talking about my life. Sure. Okay, guys, up. let's not all talk over top of each I'm other. I'm not angry, but I'm, I'm adamant. Hey, I, I, like I said, I'm half white. I, I grew up in both worlds. I was people didn't know what to make. I used to look more. Excuse the the pun, but I used to look more brown when I was younger. And I experienced a lot of different stuff. I came to realize a lot of stuff isn't always racism. It's a fancy word we like to throw out there. I experienced a lot of prejudice. I've, I've, I have prejudice feelings too. But as a person, the people in these institutions are. Can you prove that they have the belief in the first one, the race, and that there are hierarchies of the race? Do they believe that their race is superior, or and that your race is inferior? Or are they just in it for a greed? Or well, you, have, want you power? have to. Well, you have to study. You Racial, have to study you have to prove that. It's not the institution. Right. You have to prove that's it. a good point. Hmm. And that's that, why that the word is. Point. That's yeah. why the word racism is such a crucial word. It's a powerful word until we start abusing it. So that, I mean, we have to come to that conclusion first. What is the foundation of the word? I'm going to argue why the word came into being. And it's not power. Power, yeah, it, the Nazis are a perfect example. All the patterns are right there. And I can say some very controversial things, but they're going to be something that I truly believe in because that's 
what I see going on based on the evidence. Are those people in power racist? Yeah, I think there are probably people out there who are genuinely racist and they're white. But does that mean all of them are who have power? No, well, I, but I didn't say that. I didn't say all. He didn't. I'm, 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 not, just, general, I'm, just I'm not generalizing like that. I'm not general, okay. I'm never well, generalizing no. like that. I know. No, I'm, 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 just, I'm just saying that for, you know, to get sure. it yeah. out there. No, I, I mean, I'm not particularly generalizing white me, people that particular way. I'm trying to identify. No, no I know I you weren't. I know you weren't. No, you weren't. You're very clear on your point. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I'm just trying to. Yeah. Stay focused yeah, I, on the word first before we move sure. on to something else. And I think the reason why we have, I think the reason why I said we have to study the institution and study the context in which we examine that instead of making a blanket statement. So, for example, if I again, we want to say that in um, Orange County in, in LA, is there there's institutionalized racism there? Well, we have to go study what happens in Orange County and who's who's being impacted. We have to do that kind of study to identify that. We just can't say. Well, you know, people in Orange County are racist. I mean, that's a generalization not based upon any fact. So we take the scientific method, and we go in there and we study that, and that's what we do. You sure. know, that's the reason why when, at one point, War Colony here in California was trying to get rid of the, the racial identity thing. Well, sure, it'd be great to get rid of racial identity, but then how are we going to chart how race is being used in education systems? You see what I'm saying? So I would love to get beyond race, but it's hard to get beyond race when race is being used against people of color. Let me um, so okay. start that out. Let, let me bring something up here because you know, just a, um, it occurred to me actually as I was thinking about this and the further reasons why I think a lot of this stuff has to do with economic class um, is that it seems to me that truly poor white people mm-hmm. get pushed down to the same level in, in, the, in, in the way that, the, that, that they are perceived. Because I'm one sure. of them, um, sure. and it also seems to me that people of color who can become wealthy get pushed up, like they get accepted. You know, Colin Powell, for example, was he was going to be the next Republican president. He was going to be the Black Obama. That was their plan, was that they were going to get Colin Powell to be the first Black Republican president. Um, he's told them to go screw themselves after he watched what the neoconservatives did to Iraq. But, you know, I think that at the end of the day, the race thing is just a, is a, is a good excuse, and I think that it gets formulated for different reasons, okay? Um, when the United States government wanted to conquer the Native American nations, then they created the, uh, the, the anti-Native American propaganda. Um, yeah. You know, and the same thing is true, obviously, you know, when the, the, the Nazis wanted to, you know, have a, a country of people that were complacent to the idea of slaughtering Jews because they wanted their money. That's the ironic thing about anti-Semitism in World War II is that it was the Jews that were in the, were in the financial position of power, um, and they got targeted for it because they wanted their money. Um, and I think that it's also important to note that both, uh, well, all soldiers in Vietnam, African-American, Hispanic-American, white American, were encouraged to be racist against Asian people. Sure. Okay. Um, and that in right now, over in Iraq and in Afghanistan, they're calling all of the Arabic people their hajis. Okay. Um, and that's people who are black, Hispanic, white, 
you know, any American is encouraged to be racist against Arabs. But would that be racism or prejudice or, you know, I mean... No, it'd be racism. It'd be racism because they're enforcing enforcing an ideology upon other people. You see my point? So in other words, when you're going into Afghanistan as a soldier, you're taught that these people are somebody that's that's inferior to you, somebody that's the quote-unquote enemy, somebody that's quote-unquote terrorist, when in fact you're being the terrorist, but anyway... You, you you see them as terrorists, that's what you've been trained to do. You don't see them as, as the same. So that's why we have a problem dropping drones uh, 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 um, on, on innocent kids, you know, in Afghanistan and Pakistan, places like that, because it's not, it's not being happening to us. But again, well, we, 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 we do I'm not pick, disagreeing with that. We do pick up racism. We do learn also, racism. Also, to, to further that point, it's just a hypothetical thing, um, just thinking about it right now. Adding to what you're saying, since America is all about the race, whether you know the scientific community doesn't believe in race, that we're all one human race, but America, de- America definitely believes in the race. So if, if adding that to what you're saying, America in general could be, I'm just, I'm not saying I agree with that all the way, but maybe America, actually I think America is racist. In a lot of ways. Right. Guess what? Oh, yeah. America's okay, well, races. Okay. Exactly. Let me finish the point. I was oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I apologize. It's just I, you guys kind of got in there, and I get it. It's a very good conversation. We're all passionate. Um, the reason I'm pointing out those examples about how soldiers are encouraged to be racist against whatever group that the elite have determined, you know, have something that they want. Okay. Um, is the reason why I feel that racism is a tool. You know, to get people thinking about the skin pigment of someone else or the, their appearance in some way, making them inferior, dehumanizing them, like the cartoons and stuff. There was actually a pretty good film I watched the other day, and I forgot the name of it. Hil- Hillary Swank was playing the lead role. It was based on a true story. I think it was called Freedom, Freedom Riders. Riders. Yeah, where she saw that they were Love making fun movie. of one of the black kids with a drawing. Yeah. And she's she like, oh, I've seen this before. Yep, took them to the Holocaust Museum so that they could see what it looks like when Nazis were, you know, drawing pictures of each other. And then all of a sudden those people got to see a whole other level of racism. You know, um, my point about this, and this is the point I've been driving home to other people, was that racism is a tool to essentially make people stop thinking. That's what V Radio is largely about. Okay, the zeitgeist movement aside, my personal work is about exposing things that are about you know, exposing things that are you know that are hindering people from thinking clearly. And I think that we essentially do a disservice to ourselves as activists when we allow ourselves to play their game of division. And that's why I said that you know I brought up that um, historically, whether or not it was. Um, Because, like, there's a movie called Buffalo Soldiers, for example, that was about a black regiment that got sent to kill Native Americans. And then they figure out, wait a minute, you know, this is just, like, what happened to us all over again. They're teaching us that these natives don't deserve to live here, you know. And that was sending black people to kill red people. You know, um, uh, Danny Glover was in it. It's a good film. Um, So Brandy's, like, got a point I can see. Go ahead, Brandy. Yes, no, I just wanted to say be careful with that, though, because when you're saying 
racism is a tool that's used to divide us, that's the reason that those people are able to justify that definition when, in fact, racism can be used as a tool, but that's not necessarily what it is. Like our guest was just saying, it is a state of mind. It's how you view or perceive the other race as superior or inferior is what makes you racist. Um, But, you know, obviously, I think that's kind of what you imply, but I was more clarifying that for the listeners who are going, aha, see, he said racism is a tool, and that's why African-American people who are racist say, oh, yeah, see, he said it's a tool, and we can't use that tool, so that means we're not racist. No, that's not the point. Racism can be used as a tool, but that's not what it is. Just like anything else can be used as a tool, too. So can sexism or uh, discrimination against somebody of a certain sexual orientation, that can absolutely be used as a tool. But you don't have to be using that tool or doing anything to anybody to be guilty of that mindset and to be guilty of of, uh, viewing people in a a lesser way because of uh, that orientation or because of their age or anything like that. All of those are forms of discrimination just like racism. Um, so I just, I want to touch on this. has to change. I'm sorry? The language of racism has to change. Right. And, and I just, I want to touch on this real quick and then I actually have to get going soon, but I want to touch real quick on what Bakari was saying earlier about, um, if a black apartment owner, you know, a landlord who owns an apartment building doesn't Mm -hmm. lease to white people, then of course he's racist. But then his question was, how much of an effect is that actually having on our society? How evident, how evident is that kind of behavior or that circumstance, right. that situation in our society? But I want, I want to kind of wrap this up here, at least this particular point, is that that to me is a topic for an entirely different show. We would need another two to three hours to talk about the effects that history and racism throughout history has had on black people and people of all races throughout the world and especially throughout this country. We would need maybe more than three hours to talk about that. That's not the point, and that's not the point of this video, and that's why I'm really glad that he said that, is he said we're talking about what's happening now. Now, are we denying that what's happening now is a result or is an effect of things that went on in the past? Of course not. Nobody, it's, it's impossible to even say that. It's impossible to say that today's circumstances have nothing to do with history. That's the whole point of history, is that it leads up to today. But the right. point is, though, is it's so important that we define the word racism, that we understand the context that we're using when we talk about it with each other, because we can't educate that way. We can't, we can't develop empathy that way. We can't regard uh, humanity as one human race that way if we start to pick apart different instances of racism and excuse others and give certain ones more importance than others and things like that. Obviously, us being in the zeitgeist movement, we understand the ramifications of social stratification. We understand uh, economic disparity. We understand that a black person being an owner of an apartment building and discriminating against whites isn't necessarily as likely of uh, a situation as vice versa. That That's not the point of this particular show, from what I understand, and at least in terms of the video exposing black racism and trying to point out the conflation of the term racism and what's being excused amongst black so, Americans. So you guys, so you guys, you guys are arguing. I, I'm sorry to cut you off. I want to try to pick your point before you go. You're, you're trying to say. So basically, your point is, is that blacks have racist viewpoints about other people, and they they speak to they, they speak those those viewpoints, right? Is that? It's, I haven't seen the video what you speak of, but I'm saying is that essentially your your point is that for the most part. There's a problem with blacks, you know, speaking their racism against other people. Not all blacks. Is that, but is, is that, certain, is that, is that kind of sum it up? Yes, yeah, certain blacks. These certain blacks that he's referring right, to in okay. the video, so, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I don't. I think I'm we have like done. limited I'm time, done. but I was. Can I just got a lot more? All right. All right. All right. All right. Let Brandy needs to go. Let let her finish. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, you know, let her use her her female privilege. <laughs> Be quiet. No, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I just wanted. I Corey can kind of wrap up what he was saying, and then I definitely want to hear from from him again. Go ahead. Okay, okay I'm going to try to sum this up real quick, and then it, it is a controversial thing because we're talking about a sensitive subject. I'll make my PC point of the mo- of the day. I know a lot of blacks. I grew up around a lot of blacks. I have. Uh, I'm not half black, but I have a lot of dark-skinned people on my other side of the family. So I work with blacks. I have friends with blacks, blah, 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 blah. Most blacks I know are not genuinely racist. Most blacks I don't believe are genuinely racist. But there is something going on today that I um, am disturbed about, and I would really want to get this out there as time allows, uh, that there is a genuinely racist you from blacks uh, yes towards whites but also towards Native Americans and this might be shocking to hear but um, I can mention whites that we would never think that would be racist because I'm adhering to the original definition but in fact they are ethnocentric and, and in fact they are racist so I can mention Graham Hancock for example and that might i Suspecting that there might be some sympathizers to Hancock, but I'm going to point out that he's actually a racist and Eurocentric, ethnocentric. So oh, who is that now? Who, who is that again? Graham Hancock. Oh, I don't know him. Yeah, he's a he's an author. He's a I'll just call him a conspiracy theorist, but he's really an ethnocentric. Now my okay. panel has been. De- has turned around from conspiracy theory to pseudoscience and history to Native American identity, preserving their identity. And from there, this just goes off into a whole bunch of things and uh, why why racism is very persistent today. Not not just, I, sure, I could speak on black racism all night long, but definitely from white America and from others. Even from within Native Americans, they seem to be very... It's the very broken, uh, excuse the word, but race of uh, people when you're talking about Mexicans and South Americans and stuff like that. So my channel has been devoted to that cause as opposed to uh, solely talking about the subject of racism. So I think America does have a, a racial problem, and America is very racist. Um, but I do... Since we're on the subject of black racism, I think that black racism, very pers- uh, very widespread in this country, and I want to be wrong on this, but I can't help but to say these things. But there is there's a lot of propaganda coming out from certain groups. They seem to be very loud, and they produce a lot of material books. Um, about Native Americans. This mm-hmm. is aside from the melanin scholars and, and whatnot. But uh, oh, geez, yeah, definitely. Well, um, and as a Native American, I've seen it too. Go ahead. My my channel is uh, Block Com, 
B-L-O-K. You'll see the video exposing racism. He mentions my name. That's my video I made. But my channel has turned into preserving Native American identity at both continents. Mm -hmm. And you can see all the information there. And if you get a glimpse and you see what's going on, you'll see that pretty bad going on right now. And well, it's, it's unbelievable. Can, can, can I just, Not I just, just America. Want, I want, yeah, yeah, real quickly, because um, Brandy wanted to actually hear something from Bakari, and then she needs to go. So what were yeah, you going I'm, to I, say? Yeah, I need to go as well. Just, yeah, I, no, Bakari, I just I wanted okay. to get what you were asking, though. I feel like I, I kind of went on that one on that you know wrap up that description of what the, the specific topic was and the definition of racism versus a totally another topic about. Uh, you know, the social stratification that has resulted from the history of racism, I feel like those, in a sense, can be two separate topics, at least, that sure. would need a lot of time to cover. And then you were saying something back to me to confirm what we were saying, but I think you got cut off, so what what were you asking? Yeah, no, well, trying you know, to... well no, this, this, is, this is my point. I, first off, let me say, Neil, I, I really appreciate your show. I've started a show on Blog Talk as well, um, just for the same reason, to have these kinds of discussions, that the Zeitgeist Movement... It's so imperative that we have these kind of discussions as, as often as we can. I mean, every week we need to be having, across the country, across the world, these types of discussions to start pinpointing what you know what our, our ideas are and how we do things. And so I think, Brandon, you're right that, that the question about black racism and how pervasive it is and the, and the whole class stratification, that can be a whole other show, and we need to have another show and another show and another show because this is so important that we do not be silent, that we just don't take things for granted, that we just don't think, well, all oh, because we have the Zeitgeist films or the Zeitgeist video, that's enough. No, we need to have these discussions all the time. And I like to see more chapters, start a blog talk show or a podcast or whatever it's going to do to get the word out there on a, on a weekly or a daily basis. So that's, that's my whole point, and I really appreciate you guys having me on uh, this discussion, and I look forward to uh, participating more. Excellent. Well, I'm glad that we, we dealt with that on a positive note. And, um, you know, to the other caller, obviously, um, you know, I'm still going to be around, so I don't want you to think you got to take off. And I'm, I'd probably like to arrange to have you around more often. Um, also, all of you guys, you know, especially those of you who are willing to get out on the air and, and get talking, I'm glad you started to show, Bakari. Um, you know, you need to participate in Stormcloud's gatherings, uh, um, uh, fireside, or fireside chats. Uh, you have to have Google Hangouts. It's very easy. Um, even okay. if you don't want to be on video, um, either you can put up a. No, I don't mind. I do it all the time. But so he would love to have more people contribute. Uh, Fireside chat. What is it called again? Fireside chat. Yeah, but it's Stormclouds Gathering. If you if you're part of Fans of V Radio, right? The Facebook, uh, I Facebook think so. group. Yeah, Facebook group. Not on Facebook. I'm, I'm on Google Plus. I don't really get on Facebook. Okay, well, Google Plus, use your Google Plus account, and then you can you can go on. But we'll talk about that off the air, Bakari, but get a hold okay, of me. Okay, sure. Because I'm sure Aaron would yeah, love to have you on to talk about various world events. Okay, great, man. I appreciate it. This is a great conversation. Thanks a lot. And, Brandy, it was nice meeting you. I've seen your videos on YouTube, so it's great to be able to talk to you. You okay. too. Thanks a lot. And um, right. to the video maker, what was Take your care. name? I'm sorry. Um, Just call me John. John. Okay. Yes. Yeah, Brandy wanted to know. Um, it occurred to me we, we should have a name for you while we're talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> we're calling you Video Maker right like, now. Oh, yeah, that's fine. All right, Brandy, did you have any final thoughts before you have to Yeah, leave? no, I just, I, I was going to get going and I wanted to say uh, thank you then to John, not just 
you know, because you've made the video, but because I feel like your being on the show really helped kind of keep things in line in terms of what we were discussing. Um, not only did on the show, I feel like some of it tend to go a little bit to the wayside in terms of refutations of the points we were making, like, well, look at these instances of racism, those instances, and it's like, that's not the point really of what we're getting at. We don't want to belittle those. We don't want to discredit those. But there is a, a totally separate issue that you're referring to and exposing, and I'd love to talk more about and hear more about. I'm actually going to check out your website later. But um, it was great having you on to really hone in on the definitions, the history of it, what you were getting at, what motivated you to make the video. I feel like it really put a lot of things into perspective because I did my own research and had my own sources to talk about it and to make the points I was making in a very broad context, as I'm sure you know if you were listening, just based on basic definitions and an understanding of what this mentality really means. But it was really a treat, actually, just listening to you talk about it from an even more intellectual perspective and, and the things that you've researched. So I just want to say thanks for that, and I appreciate you being on the show. Well, thanks. I'm, I'm a layman here, so I'm still you know learning about this stuff. So it's, <laughs> it's interesting, to say the least. Sure. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thanks again, Brandy, for being on as always. Um, and where can people watch your videos? Uh, right, right now they can see my videos on YouTube. Um, but I mean, I should be hopefully getting kind of more into uh, multiple topics, and I might have to set up a new channel for channel for that, so sure. people don't conflate the two. But hopefully, uh, we'll get that going at some point. Aaron was suggesting actually that you should have a channel that's just you because he thinks you're good enough. So. You know, that guy that you were afraid wouldn't like you? <laughs> yeah, so... No, he likes you just fine. <laughs> In fact, awesome. he thinks you're brilliant, so... Um, really? All right, well, I'm going to have to go on the show with you guys then. Well, yeah, he'd really like you to come to a fireside chat. Um, those are 9 p.m. Eastern Time, which I guess would be 8 p.m. for you on Tuesday nights. I hope you can join him, because we've been... We've also been wanting to, you know, to diversify our, our panel, you know, because we wouldn't want to be white privileged or anything. That's that's racist, Neil. That's I I don't agree with that. <laughs> I know that's why I said it because I knew it would irk you. <laughs> this is so dumb. You know, the funny thing is, is that I actually thought about you know we should ask Brandy to come on these things because it's on because the Google Plus videos are basically on YouTube because you're a YouTube personality and then like and the funny thing is, is we had this great talk on the on the fireside chat and then one of the posters said to guys so hey guys why don't you have any women on your show. I'm like, oh, God, here it comes. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, Aaron is not sexist. He just doesn't, by happenstance, doesn't happen to know any female activists who are on the Internet. You know, like, you and I have had that discussion, and I had the same discussion with EJ. It was like, the reason there was there was more, you know, uh, people on the, you know, white, white people in the Zeitgeist movement is that culturally, black people don't just sit at computers all day. Not because they can't, not because they're not incapable, but because it just culturally they just don't, you know. So that's uh, and that's not racist. That's based on actual information. Culture, yeah, <laughs> culturist, most culturist. Right. So well, thanks sure. everybody for listening, and I am gonna get going. All right. Take care. Bye. Nice to meet you. You too. So, all right, well, John, you know, for you saying you're just a layman, I, I think you, you're very well-spoken, and it was obvious that you, you knew what you were talking about, and that was very refreshing, because you knew more about the history of it than I did, even. Um, so I guess uh, I'm going to have to check out your channel as well, because you said you're, you're only half-white. Were you, were you say, are you half-Native American? Is that? Oh, I'm, I, yeah, I have some uh, Native Mexican 
but I'm really all over the place. My father is Irish German. My mother is uh, Hawaiian slash Mexican, Okinawan, and Spanish Gypsy. Spanish Gypsy is not you know like a blonde hair. Now they look very ethnic, and they're the my an, my ancestors are dark Gypsies. So I'm still trying to find out more about them. I I knew I knew her, my grandmother, but I didn't started learning about her side of the family. So one side of my family is definitely not white. They're sure. dark skin, some are yellow skin, you know, I mean it's they were never viewed white. Um well the Rom or the Roma, the I mean they're definitely a distinct race. The gypsies like if you ever meet them, they have very similar characteristics. I mean it's just like, you know, um and they are darker skin. They remind me of Romanians. They look like uh like my friend Hills uh, is from Romania, um, and their girls are very pretty. I might add. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but the, the point I guess you know is that yeah, I understand where you're coming from, and I'm Native American myself, and I noticed right. actually that some of the people that occupied Detroit were treating me very differently when they thought of me as a Native American, and when I pointed out, oh well, yeah, I'm also Irish, it changed their attitude a little bit. Um, you know, but my point was just that you know I'm glad that you made that video because. You know, like even like like Brandy was like, man, do people really believe this crap? You know, like there were oh, yeah. people who were not aware of that stuff, and she was disgusted. Like she was really mad, and EJ was also like, this is garbage. Where are these people coming from? You know, and yeah. it it was interesting to me because you know when I told people about what happened to me in Pontiac, Michigan, they don't get it or they don't have a the capacity to ever understand it or that it could ever happen. You know, yeah, they, don't believe and, it. Right. You know, and then that video you put together was like a compilation of some of the worst of it. And, you know, I mentioned in the chat room what happened to me in Pontiac, but, you know, uh, they let the, the Farrakhan Muslims come to our school and give an assembly and tell the white kids that they were all like, you know, the devil and all kinds of crap. You know, That's, and. is I'm sorry, that right there is genuine racism. That should not be happening. I know. I mean, if we showed up with, like, you know, Aryan Nation nutcases, you know, there'd be a huge uproar. And yeah. I just, the fact that that was allowed to happen was so disgusting. And, you know, that's, I think, the funny thing is, is I'm glad those things happen only because I can say that I've truly experienced racism. Um, you know, when I was living in the South before that, I lived in Florida for a while, I could say that I watched racism. You know, um, I was one of the few kids there that would talk to the black kids that were unfortunate enough to live in some of the neighborhoods we lived in. You because know, there was serious racism there. I mean, there were clan chapters and everything. I mean, they were really worried, you know, like, you know, they, they could be hurt. And, of course, my mom, you know, never let that bother her. Um, you know, but the point is, is that, um, you know, I think that it is an issue that people are not aware of. And more to the point that um, they don't, it, they, it's like it's it's kind of passed under the radar. And I think that some of it is maybe it's because, well, that was actually another point that I wanted to make earlier because I made it, like, at one point. But, like, there are times, for example, that, you know, like he was talking about, like, do, you know, do black people run the uh, the institutions or do white people? I'm like, we have a tendency to forget the fact that, well, when you're a minority, it means that statistically you are less likely to do a lot of things, even if it's just because there's fewer of you. You know, if, yeah. if I hand out t-shirts in a room and half of the t-shirts are blue and half of the t or and you know i'm sorry 
like most of the t-shirts are blue and only a few of them are red, well, it's more likely that a blue t-shirt wearing person is going to do X, Y, or Z activity, just yeah. statistically, you know, and it doesn't mean that, you know, I think that it's not an issue. It is an issue, but I think that we need to analyze it, like Bakari was saying, that, you know, analyze it more intellectually to get yeah. to the real bottom of it, because it's not always racism. In some cases, it's just that there's less, you know, like, I had actually originally intended, like, one of the reasons I invited, you know, two people of color onto the show was, like, I was going to make a joke to say, I just feel the need to inform you guys that the black people have been doing all the talking on this show, you know, to, to show how silly it was, because there would be more black people on the show. So, obviously, you know, there would be, you know, more black people that have been heard of in the broadcast. You know, um, and that's essentially why, you know, I'm glad that you came on and I'm glad you made that video because it definitely took me back and really put things in perspective and it proved to be a very useful educational tool, you know, for me to be able to help EJ and Brandy understand what it was like to deal with, you know, what I dealt with when I was, you know, in, in, in high school and all that. And it's actually, it went far beyond that, actually, like the, um, like, it, the entire institution of the high school itself at Pontiac Northern and at Pontiac Central um, and in the middle schools, um, it was definitely a total hierarchy based on color. Um, my sister, my young sister, for example, grew up in that neighborhood from the youngest of ages, so she's totally absorbed into that culture, or at least was. She's since kind of realized it wasn't a good thing. But I remember one day she said, I would never date a white guy. And I was like, what? You know, and then she's like, what, are you racist? I'm like, no, actually, you are. <laughs> you, you just said you would never date a white guy. You know, I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? You know, and, you know, and, it, well, I know why. It's because when you went to high school in that that situation, um, dating a black guy or a Hispanic guy was like a like a pride issue. Like, you know, you could brag about it. You know, um yeah you were somehow superior because you were, you know, and dating a white kid would be something that would get you made fun of by the other girls. You know, it's, and I remember the ones that scared me the most are the ones that are desperately trying to pretend to be a different skin color, you know, and I, I found it to be as bad as the ones that, you know, like, you know, you hear about black people straightening their hair and all that way back in the, Oh, geez, what was it, the 40s or something? You know, like, you know, to try to make themselves look like less like black people. And then I see these white kids that are putting on triple fat goose coats and, you know, uh, wearing their hair differently. And even white kids wearing those African necklaces that were, you know, the style for a while. And I remember overhearing one of them talking to the other. It's like, you know, he says, you can't just dress black. You've got to talk black. You've got to act black. You've got to think black. And it was just like, I just kind of shook my head and walked away, but, you know, it, it that was the level of shame that people were encouraged to feel if they happened to be white in, in the Pontiac school system. And there was a total social stratification for being someone of color. And the funny thing is, although I was targeted frequently for my skin tone by black people, I was also targeted by my skin tone by white people who were trying to prove... <laughs> you know, their worth to the black and Hispanic gangs. You know, you see, I hate them too. You know, um, I would get targeted for violence by them all the time. And, you know, seeing the stuff that was in your video really took me back and helped me to put this back into perspective because the reason that this creeped me out was that, and I told Brandy this, was like, um, 
okay, well, the problem I'm having with some of these white privilege conversations is that a lot of the same rhetoric that I heard from black supremacists is finding its way into these white privilege conversations. And the funny thing is, is that when we're finished, all of a sudden all of the black people in the room are in charge, you know, like, and all the white people in the room are insecure and afraid to talk. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can only imagine. <laughs> right, and that's, I'm like, well, you certainly that's achieved. That's what it's your designed goal. to do, and you know yeah. that this stuff actually has a little history of its own. It goes back to, uh, you know, like probably the 70s, I would say, maybe the 60s, mm-hmm. but I'd definitely say the 70s, and if not, I still haven't pinpointed everything exactly, but there was a book called White Awareness. Mm-hmm. And they, this is where they changed the definition of, well, as far as I can tell, they they had sources in there that probably is derived from there, but they changed the definition of racism. And, you know, it's a little bit about the privilege of whites and stuff like that. So this, this has a little history to it. There's a like an agenda of, I can't say exactly who. Some people will talk about the Jews and all that, you know. I think it's it's much bigger than the Jews. It's more than just one group. It's is definitely a liberal side to this, and of course, liberals aren't just Jews. Mm-hmm. You know, I combat that all the time. I've been called a liberal. I have to make this comment because I said that I've been called a liberal Marxist PC Jew. I've <laughs> been called a cracker racist. Uh, right, melanin deficient, you know, blah blah, and uh, you know, I get it from both sides because of the content on my channel, and that's actually a pleasure because that's the beauty of it. Because um, you know, one group is claiming this and another group is claiming that. Anyway, I kind of digress a little bit. Yeah, the whole. Well, I'm glad that you said that because it brought up something else that I was thinking about is that the melanin stuff. I was talking to Brandy about this off the air. I was watching that part of the video. That was creepy. And you know what it started to remind me of? Hitler's master race. You know. The patterns like, of history. Uh, it shows right there. Right. I need Julius Stryker. Uh, what's his name? Stryker? Julius Stryker? I forget the guy's name now. You know, and then, of course, me being an agnostic, leaning atheist, some of the weird, out there, woo stuff they were saying about how, you know, it affects global warming and all that. I'm like, that was just freaking. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? But hey, that, a lot of people, a lot of people don't know the the history of what was really behind the Nazi propaganda and the the, the white master race, and they believe they were descended from gods, and you know, that the Tuatha De Nan, which is the, the the Celtic god. They felt that the German people were perfect and beautiful. And it was through interbreeding that they had ruined themselves and that if they could just get back to their pure original bloodline that they would be gods on earth. Um, And another thing about this actually was that their biomes is also the only ones. Uh, Joe Park, uh, one of my regular listeners and contributors, uh, sent me an email about this because when he was in Japan, he experienced uh, racism, um, like total uh, Japanese supremacy in a lot of places. Like they literally still have the signs up that say, you know, uh, no non-Japanese allowed. You know, I mean, it looks like you're walking back into, like, this is not in all Japan, mind you. Um, but he said there are parts of Japan you go to, and it reminds him of, like, you know, walking around in the 50s or something, you know, like, no blacks allowed, you know, or whatever. 
Um, you know, and and it, when he brought that up, it occurred to me because that was another master race theory. The Japanese during World War II literally believed they went right back to their samurai heritage of thinking that only they are people, and everyone else is not. You know, right. um, they were literally on on a binge of we are the Japanese, we are the the, the chosen of the of the kami, and um, we're going to make this world Japan. You know. Um, and that's and they use that same religious ideology to justify the you know the people getting in planes and you know kamikazing you know to go to heaven. Does that sound familiar? You know, I bring that up. I was like, you know, you think the only suicide bombers are are Arabic? You know, the first suicide bombers flew planes into the side of aircraft carriers during World War II, you know, and they were empowered by the Shinto religion, but also a Japanese belief that they are the superior race. And the crap that the Japanese did to the Chinese. Um, you know, and to the prisoners of war they had in their hands, you know. To the indigenous people of Japan, the Ainu? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were terrible to them, you know. Um, And that's basically, that's all stuff that people don't ever put on the table. And that's why when I heard this crap about how this is all a white supremacist thing, I'm like, you guys are not seeing the total picture here. I'm like, and that's... It's feeding the script of pre-1933. Mm-hmm. Rise of the Nazis is what's go- and now you know I don't believe things are going to happen that way with uh, this black racism stuff, but they do get a free pass for all the things that they have produced quite a few books on their beliefs, mm-hmm. and for some reason some of these guys actually are allowed to speak at places where they shouldn't be speaking. Um, Professor Griff, who hasn't written any books that I know of. Was, I think was speaking at Wisconsin University. Mm-hmm. And he was not really, I can't say he's a black racist. And I really hate using that term, black racist. It should just be racist. But because of the nature of this, it, I'm going to continue to use, I just had to say that. Um, he was teaching, he was lecturing on about like uh, pseudo-history, conspiracy theory. And I just couldn't believe it. It's on YouTube. Mm-hmm find it. It's like, wow, th- this is really happening. Not to mention the books that are being produced. Paul Barton, for example, I believe he teaches right down the street from my house. And one of these days I'm going to bump into him and we're going to have a conversation. But uh, he put a book and he's a teacher. How's that happening? Mm-hmm. Um, stuff that I'm into now, I, wa- I want to get into this just a little bit real quick. Sure. What's going on with the racists that they believe that they originated here in the Americas? They want Native American history back. The first major known civilization in Mesoamerica were civilization, culture. They were the they were building, you know, the monuments. Go to my channel. My channel has a lot of stuff. Look at the background. That's just some of the imagery that I've posted. Actually, let me go ahead and um, because you're winking in and out a little bit. I did write down your phone number because I'd like to talk to you a little bit off the air. Sure. Um, can you? Because uh, it doesn't look like you're in the chat room anymore. I was going to say if you're in the chat room, we can talk there. But it'd be good to get some of your information so we can do a follow-up show if you'd be interested. Yeah, I would love to do a follow-up show. I would like to get into this thing. You know, there's a couple subjects I'd like to talk about, and that is the similarities between white and black 
ethnocentric supremacists. Sure. And another one would be uh, the extent of black racism. Maybe it'll be under a different title, but I, I definitely want to show people what I see according to those that I converse with on the regular. Um, how Just how far this stuff is, this uh, racism is being promoted almost on mainstream, actually, some of it. 